Shame. 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 to Books with Cooks, a podcast for bookies and foodies. Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm Alex. And we're two cousins who are also best friends who love to read. Yeah. And I love to cook. And I cook to survive. We'll be reviewing, analyzing, sometimes overanalyzing, and discussing the books we're currently reading, as well as new and old recipes from our kitchen to yours. By the way, we're real people with real families. So you may hear cats, dogs, birds, babies, and husbands. So enjoy that bonus material. Now let's get booking and have a tasty chat. Stick around at the end of this episode for some bloopers and bonus content. Hey, 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 listeners. If you're enjoying our podcast, please give us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or your preferred streaming service to help us reach more listeners and spread the word about our podcast. Shame. 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 Before we get started, we want to include some trigger warnings. This book and the following discussion will include topics of death, sexual content, violence, murder, and torture. So please be aware of that before you proceed. Also, just be aware that there will be cursing and spoilers in this episode. So if that's something you're sensitive to, or if you haven't read the book yet, you may want to skip this episode and come back to it in the future. If you don't plan on reading the book, listen to this episode. Let us summarize it for you so you can pretend you read it and impress your friends. Iron. Shame. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back, Jess. How are yo, you? Yo, 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 yo. <laughs> hey, Alex. Hey. Hi. Hey, everyone. Post Thanksgiving. Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Hope everybody had some yummy meals and that you're not too stuffed even today. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I know. What are you snacking on today? I have my coffee as usual. And I also have some white cheddar popcorn today that I'm nice. snacking on. Yeah. Nice. I have a snickerdoodle cookie. Mm. And I have coffee same nice. as you and yeah. but it's like this espresso roast it's very dark today yeah i and love the espresso it's 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 okay yeah okay. <laughs> i know you're not crazy about the strong coffee yeah i i do that's like how my I live. flavor my flavor profile today is pretty interesting it's different mm-hmm. uh i put white chocolate in there like a white mm. chocolate syrup and then i put a little touch of peppermint and it's kind of christmasy mm. and i like it okay yeah like yeah. a peppermint bark kind of taste you're a peppermint bark but yes thank you you have a peppermint bark you got a peppermint <laughs> dick uh <laughs> about a peppermint dick for old saint nick oh my god hang it on your christmas tree oh don't hang that on your christmas tree please <laughs> <laughs> 
how was your Thanksgiving? How did all the festivities go? It was good. It went well. Yeah. Everybody enjoyed the food. I got a lot of compliments and it was, it was good. It was kind of short, but it was, it was nice. Good. How was yours? It was good. Um, I was exhausted. Yeah. I'm sure you were too. Yeah. And uh, at one point I just turned to Doug and I was like, let's go. <laughs> and then I tried to read Iron Flame again on the car ride home, mm. but I didn't want to. Yeah. But we'll talk about that later. Yeah. That's hard to read, especially if you're you're sleepy though and you're tired. Yeah. I, I literally put the light on in the car and then I was like, I feel like we're in a fishbowl with the light on. Mm. And um, he was like, that sounds like an excuse. He's like, just read yeah. it. I was like, I don't want to. Oh, <laughs> he was trying to encourage you, motivate you. Yeah, he was being supportive. Uh, I needed that during this entire book read, to be honest. Yeah. We'll, we'll go there. We'll go yeah. There. <laughs> but uh, I wanted to say I did all my holiday shopping for the most part. Oh. I'm already done. Wow. Uh, maybe some mm-hmm. odds and ends left, some stocking stuffers. But otherwise, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm done with everyone. Wow. Good for you. Uh, I like to get a head start. Usually I'm not 100% done, but I, I would say I'm about 97%. Wow. Um, yeah. Except for the little things. So I am so happy to be done. Yeah. <laughs> but we're getting a lot of packages. My son keeps getting excited. And he's like, mm-hmm. it's a big and I'm like, no, there's other people. It's not everything just for you. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, and don't forget that Santa brings you stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but today I had to run to the mall, I told you, to go get a candle because they didn't have it in stock at Bath and Body Works online. So I went mm. to, the, to the mall. I don't know why. The line was out the door. It was absurd. <laughs> to put it really quickly, they don't know sometimes what they're doing in these stores because it took them a half hour to look me up in the system. And I was like, I have my order number. And she's like, no, we don't need that. I was like, well, what's the point of having an order number? Yeah. And then later she was like, make sure you have your order number ready. I was like, but you just told me I don't need it. <laughs> so that was fun. Uh, it was wild in there. I literally grabbed what I needed and and left. Yeah. And it made me think of um, the story with your mom <laughs> because I used to work in a different mall. And when I worked there, uh, you and your mom came to visit me mm-hmm. and we went to Johnny Rockets, which was a fun place. Yeah. I don't think it's open anymore, right? I don't think so. I think they closed down. They had some really good fries. Yeah. But I just remember sitting there at your mom and your mom was talking. She said something and in the middle of her story, she was like, oh my God, you have to see this person's nose yeah. behind you. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? And then two seconds later, she's like, I have to draw this nose. So she could not complete her story. And she had to take a napkin and a pen out of her bag and draw the nose for me. And <laughs> I, I love that, that memory. I love it. I love it so much. I do remember um, and I was, that. And I remember going back to work and I was like a minute late and I got yelled at. Really? And I was oh, yeah, and I was sorry. Like, I this job. Yeah. Well, it wasn't your fault. I was a minute late. Yeah. Calm down. I was like, my family came to see me and I hate this job. <laughs> yeah. But I, was, I was like 19. Yeah. You're young. Yeah. I remember <laughs> That's that. That's my story. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know if your mom, I, I know uh, she's listening. I don't know if she remembers, but I really do love that story. She probably does remember because I think you mentioned it to her actually somewhat recently. And she was like, yeah, well, did you did you see the nose? <laughs> she was like, I remember. I remember the nose specifically. <laughs> we didn't see it. I know we um, didn't, but she but drew it. Because you were sitting next to her across. I didn't see it. I didn't see the nose. But I wish I would have saved the drawing. Yeah. Because I would have it framed and give it to her. <laughs> Have it done as like a a canvas through Walgreens. Like, can you replicate this? (laughs) That's amazing. And she'd have to hang it up. Yeah. To hang it in the bathroom or something. Every time I go there, I'd have to see it. Hilarious. But yeah, I give you credit for going to the mall during Christmas time, the holiday season. Mm -hmm. I won't go anywhere near one. I don't. I won't. (laughs) I know you were just doing a pickup, but 
I can't, no, I can't handle this was, it. This was an extreme situation where I made an exception, but never again. I don't care what it is. Yeah. First of all, I had to bring my husband. Doug had to park. I mean, um, Doug had to sit in front because there was no place to park. Mm. So I was like, you drive and I'll run out. And I had my son. The line yeah. was out the door from the store. So I can't handle that. That's insane. Yeah. I literally, I want, I needed soap. So the reason why I did this was I was like, oh, it's a good opportunity for me to pick out the soaps in person. Cause sometimes you order them online and they don't smell that great. And yeah. I was like, I can smell them. So I ended up instead of buying them, there, just smelling the ones and ordering them online <laughs> because I wasn't waiting online. I was like, this is insane. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know how we say like, who's reading that? Who's doing that? Who's yeah. Lines anymore. I know everything comes to your house now it's easier yeah like that's... all of my shopping I did like I said that 97 percent that I'm complete was mm -hmm. online yeah that's how I do my shopping usually too I got a few gifts so far but not many but I actually I went out with my husband earlier today and we went to the store near our house and there were a few things in there that I was like oh I might actually come back here and get a few gifts because I think there's some people that would like these so maybe I will do some in-person shopping, but it's literally a tiny little store. It's the size of yeah. my den. <laughs> Are you talking about that whole little village is adorable yeah. to shop in? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to come see you for a little festival or something, right? We make yeah. plans mm -hmm. and I am going to shop in those stores as well. Yes. <laughs> in fact, I ordered something from the little shop there that has the soaps. And the oh, lotions. really? Yes. Nice. I had delivered. <laughs> nice. <laughs> because Douglas... Because I have this situation where my lotion fell behind <laughs> my nightstand. No, the lotion and this, saga. And this is day like 74. No, this is probably day, I don't know, what is it, seven? I, right? It has to be because the last time you texted me about it was sometime last week and you were on day three. You're probably yeah. maybe over seven at this point. Well, it's like day seven. The bed is too close to the nightstand. It's impossible for me to move. I can't do it alone. I've asked him several times. Every time he's like, okay, or, uh, <laughs> or, you know, it's insert. I'm watching football here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> I have no husband during mm. football season. <laughs> But it, it should like, it should be almost over, right? Doesn't it end soon? Football season, like at the end of the year or something like that, and then there's the Super Bowl in February. Yeah, it, it, I still have to hold on through February. Okay, gotcha. I gotcha. have this sign that says, uh, "My marriage is on hold until end of football season." <laughs> wow. <accurate>. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> something along those lines. It says. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, anyway, the saga is that my little lotion fell back there. I'm trying to get it. It's a whole project that uh, apparently either he's never going to do or I'm going to have to hire someone to come do. Yeah. <laughs> Figure it out. But sad. Yeah. So, all right. Well, tell me about um about your book slump. <laughs> yeah, I've been in a book slump. I blame Iron Flame. I have no motivation to read anything. Very angry still and disappointed. So I've been trying to read something that'll be like fun and like cheery. So I read Snowed In to try to get me out of it. It was cute. I don't know if it really helped. And I don't know. I tried reading The Graham Effect. I didn't like that. I, d I DNF'd it. However, I don't know. It's like a stupid college romance. I didn't like it. But I did read The Simple Wild. That was very good. I really enjoyed that, actually. I would recommend that. It was cute. Simple Wild. The Simple Wild by K.A. Tucker, but it's the first in a trilogy. And I had the first one free on my Scribed app or Ever And app, whatever it's called now. And the other two are not on there. So I was like, what the hell? What am I supposed to do now? So you got to buy them. <laughs> I don't want to. The whole point was I was looking for free books that it would be good so that I could save some money. <laughs> 
but I probably will get, I, I probably will buy them at some point because I do want to read them at least the second one. So we'll see. Okay. Yeah. How about you? I know you're also feeling a little slumpy in the book, in the book area. <laughs> Look, I don't want to give away too much detail because we're going to discuss this, but I, I will say that it took me entirely too long to read this book. Mm-hmm. Okay. Every time I went to go read it, I would read like a chapter and be like, meh. Yeah. And I would want to walk away and read something else. I did read other things in between. Yeah. I holiday read. Okay. That yeah. didn't happen during the first book. No. End mini rant. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I also threw my book across the room, but we'll discuss <laughs> why later. I did. Yeah. Last night I finished it. Finally, Iron Flame, which in your case, since it's causing a book slump for us, we'll, we'll call Iron Blame. <laughs> it's full. Yeah. I literally shut the book and I went, hmm. And throw it across the room. <laughs> like, I don't know. When Alex, when you told me you finished this, Alex, you said, uh, I don't know how I feel about it. And that's, I concur, I, I agree. I didn't mm. finish it last night. I think it was the night before. To be honest, I was holding back because I knew that you hadn't really gotten much into it yet. But uh, I'll talk about my thoughts later. I knew, I knew how I felt about it, but I just didn't want to bias you. <laughs> so I was like, I'll just be as ambiguous as possible. <laughs> Let me tell you, I was at the end of Fourth Wing. I was like, I need more. At mm. the end of this one, I was like, I need less. <laughs> yeah. I need less. I hate it. Uh, I yeah. don't hate the book, but the ending was just really. Mm. We'll talk mm. more about it again. Yeah, we'll, we're, we'll get into this. Okay. But ahead of ourselves. Yeah. We're anxious to talk about it. We haven't really talked about it with each other yet. So we uh, will be fresh with our thoughts yeah. for you guys. We're going we're gonna to be fresh. <laughs> That's one word for it. Uh, lastly, all I'll say is that I did start my holiday movie watching last night. Yay. Yay same. Yay. Really? What'd you watch? I started on Black Friday. I watched uh, The Noel Diary and love hard and last night i watched the holiday oh okay how was it i love the holiday i've seen those two before love hard Mm -hmm. and the holiday i I had never seen the noel diary before apparently it's based on a book though and it was okay like it it was cute yeah Uh, a little sad the other one or all of these are there on netflix yes Mm -hmm. oh you don't have netflix (laughs) i know you were using mine and then netflix said you can't anymore (laughs) Don't tell the subscriber companies, but me and Alex share some things, okay? Shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> and one of which is I share her Netflix. I canceled my Netflix and I shared hers. And now they don't let you share. They're on to us. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm probably going to have to do some kind of trial. I can't not watch my Christmas movies. It's like they know. I know. Like, she's some... gonna need... They know from my history. They're going to be like, she's going to watch the Christmas movies. She mm-hmm. needs to watch Christmas Prince. I do need to watch the Christmas mm-hmm. Prince. She's going to be like, you know, all the stupid Christmas movies that come out that I absolutely love. I yeah. need to watch those. Yeah. There's a lot of good ones on Netflix. Not going to lie. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's fine. I'm, I'm already planning on doing this. They so. make it easy for you too, because they have like a whole little thing that you can click on that just says like holiday collection and they're all there for you. And I was like, perfect. This is yeah. the best thing I needed right now. <laughs> This is one of the main reasons why I like to shop early. So this way I have more time to watch my movies. Let's do holiday reading when I do my baking, right? I got all Mm. my things coming up. Yeah. Uh, So I like to, you know, get all the shopping ahead. And I'm supposed to start wrapping as I go, but that never Mm. happens. Yeah, no, I do that all. Like I usually do it the day before. So like whoever I'm seeing on Christmas Eve, I wrap the day before whoever I'm or if it's a late day for Christmas Eve, which usually it is, I might wrap them that morning. And if it's a Christmas day that I'm going to see people, I might wrap them 
Christmas Eve. So it's bad. I really shouldn't. But my mom, my mom's funny. She'll be like, part of the holiday season is having gifts under the tree and blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, that would be great if I didn't have four cats and two dogs, because A, they're just going to be filled with fur. People are going to think I got them a cat for Christmas. That's number one. Number two, the cats go in the bags. If it's a bag, they rip it, the uh, the wrapping paper and they jump on things and it's like i can't i have to hide everything until i'm ready to wrap them and then i have to hide them again (laughs) yeah one of the cats will literally eat the wrapping paper yeah and my dog keanu is a jerk and he one time we put them under the tree and he peed on them oh my god (laughs) oh no so i'm not allowed to do such things i have to keep them behind the locked door (laughs) last night i had to pull one of my cats out of the tree and it was a hassle too because he was like no you can't get me like running up and down it okay i was like get out of the get out of the effing tree okay i'm gonna kill you (laughs) And then this he, morning, who? which one? Rocky. It was, of he course, was it was Rocky. He was in the tree, just, and he was getting close to the top too. He's and then, the only one that'll fit in the tree. I know, I know. <laughs> but that, and this morning, Rob comes upstairs and he's like, "I just had to pull Rocky out of the tree again. He was almost at the top." I was like, "Of course he was. Of course he was. Because we can't have anything in this house." <laughs> Wait, but he might get like tangled in the lights. That's no. Scary. He'll be fine. It's like a pre-lit <laughs> tree. He he's a pre- I was sitting. I was watching the holiday. I was just enjoying myself. I had a little little cup of eggnog i was like yay it's time to relax and all of a sudden i look over and the tree i see it like kind of shaking a little bit and i hear like i was like what the hell's going on with the tree i look over (laughs) and then it stopped and then it started doing it again like shaking (laughs) and i was like and i was like rocky yeah I have two things to say about eggnog. A, I also, (laughs) this is what I'm getting from this conversation. Uh, I also had eggnog recently, which we finished in this house, apparently. There's horrible, horrendous things lurking in eggnog that's store-bought, store-bought, And I will say that we don't usually have those things in this house. So I'm going to try to make my own. And if I do in one of the episodes coming up bonus episodes i'll i'll discuss the recipe and what i liked yeah um because the 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 ingredients are horrendous they're you know high fructose corn syrup carrageen and all the bad stuff yeah uh, and all this crap so you know i give it to my kid and he loves it Mm -hmm. but it's not not healthy for him no uh but god damn is it good right it is good and it's so damn good I don't know. It has no right being that good. And on Thanksgiving, my mother-in-law brought over some Baileys and we put that in the eggnog. And let me mm. tell you, it was a delight. And you put a little cinnamon on top, maybe a little yeah. nutmeg. Spiced eggnog? It's amazing. I mean, you can't have too much of it because blit. But no, you can only eggnog? have like a little, almost like a shot of it because Chef's it's kiss. so thick. That's what she said. That's what she said. <laughs> The one that I like best as of right now, store-bought wise, again, not good ingredients, mm-hmm. but the one that I think is best is called the Southern Comfort. Yes. One. Yeah. I right? love that one. Why is that one the best? I don't know what it is. And it has, <laughs> I love that it gives me the option to add Southern Comfort. Yeah. I feel like it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, like I'm looking at it when I'm purchasing and I'm like, yes, delightful. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, eggnog, we approve of you. Yes. But not your ingredients. I will test out some, but this was my second gripe that I wanted to mention. My second thing about uh, eggnog. Somebody told me recently that it's a mistake not to have heated eggnog. Ew. And I am appalled because heated apple cider, delightful. Mm -hmm. Heated eggnog? Yeah, it sounds weird. I mean, that sounds Although, like if I put it, no, it, if I put it in the microwave, I feel like my it's going to make eggs. No, actually, Scrambled it would eggs. probably be like, have you ever had it in coffee? Yes, eggnog and coffee is delightful. So it would probably be like that. I can't imagine just drinking it by itself hot, but putting it in coffee. I mean, it's no. hot. It, no, it doesn't will, make an egg. I will say this. Uh, I don't heat up milk when I drink it. I don't drink, but 
If I did, I wouldn't eat it. You don't steam your milk in your coffee? No, I do, but I mean just as a drink, to drink it. Like, oh, here's one oh, glass of no. chocolate. Sir, um, could I trouble you for a glass of warm milk? It helps put me to sleep. You could trouble me for a warm glass of... Shut the hell up. No, no. Only psychopaths drink milk, like my husband. And he does it. He'll, he'll like, literally pour himself a glass of milk. And then he knows I hate it. And he'll be like, you want a glass? And I'm just like, I'd rather die. No, I don't. Oh, wait, whole milk or oat milk or other? No, whole milk. He won't drink oat milk or any milk that doesn't come from a cow. He says that unless it has nipples, it shouldn't produce milk. Okay. <laughs> that reminds me of remembering my parents. Yeah. Uh, that's usually what he quotes <laughs> i have nipples whatever your name is can you milk straight. me can you milk me <laughs> I, I, I had no idea you could milk a cat oh yeah you can milk anything with nipples i have nipples greg could you milk me yeah all right well listen let's let's go to over to the day all right <laughs> and just i wanted to just say real quickly that this is our last tuesday taking yeah. an episode for a little while until season two and Yay. Yeah, I know. So season one is coming to an end, the end of this week. And then we'll be starting up season two in January, but we will have some episodes coming out in December. So, but it is, it's kind of bittersweet. It's like sad that season one's done already. Can you believe that? It is making me sad. I said yay because like I'm proud of us. It's been like three months and you know, we mm-hmm. we we took a minute to talk here. We did a lot of reading. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're gonna have so much free time in the next like few weeks that we're not gonna know what to do with ourselves. <laughs> I have a list of 30 books to read. Okay, Some true. Of them are serious and I'm not gonna read them all, but I want to. <laughs> but we'll have the time to read them. <laughs> For Black Friday, I actually did buy the series, the Throne of Glass series. Nice. So Awesome. I plan on reading that. It's exciting. Or not the whole series, but I plan on reading that. I plan on reading Akamath. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else do I want to read? I don't know. I have so many things on there. Don't put too many books on your list to read because then you'll get overwhelmed and you won't want to read any of them, you know? So just stick to Tell like me my business, definitely. Fine, fine, fine. <laughs> don't put it out with your boots, Dad. Don't tell me my business, devil woman. All right, let's get into our word of the day. Okay. <laughs> we had a good conversation. <laughs> okay, it's time for the word of the day. Remember that we encourage our listeners to use these words in your daily conversations and with us on our socials. Each word of the day will come from the Word of Day Vocabulary Workbook by Francine Puckley or Franny the Pucks. Follow the link in bio to get a copy for yourself. Without further ado, today's word of the day is... Edification, spelled E-D-I-F-I-C-A-T-I-O-N and pronounced Ed-I-F-I-C-A-T-I-O-N. It is a noun defined as enlightenment, the process of instructing or sharing important insights. For example, although the author includes several supplements on ancient Egyptian construction methods for the edification of his readers or her readers, they are not direct connected with the book's central ideas. Alex, let's come up with some better examples because there's definitely way better ones than that one. Okay. Violet uh, translates the book of the, I can't remember the guy's name, but the journal from one of the six original writers who set up the wards from Lucerish to Navarian for the edification of the council and the rebellion so that they can set up the wards. Very good. Thank you. Yes. Long, but good. I know. I I forgot the guy's name. I was trying to think of it. 
I would say that Violet throughout this book has many edifications. She's constantly being enlightened, if you will, and enlightening others about the whereabouts of battles, about the Wardstone, about Zayden's poor choices, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. <laughs> Rebecca Yaros lacks details in her writing for the edification of her readers. How about Rebecca Yaros lacks a lot of details in her book for the non-edification of her <laughs> readers, if there is a such thing. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, let's have some trivia about the word edification. Famous showman, P.T. Barnum, you heard of him, once commented <laughs> that his circus contained the wonders of the ages assembled for your edification, education, and enjoyment for a price that's it that's the trivia so i have some fun facts about pt barnum in the circus okay Uh, one you never seen the movie yet you have to watch it the greatest showman i know i know it's a great you love musicals you claim to love i know i do love musicals you will love it okay and you will love the music and you will download every song okay secondly uh when i went to florida i went with my family to to uh like a barnum circus exhibit which was very entertaining and i thought it was going to be maybe a little boring-ish it wasn't it was very it was entertaining and exciting yeah and if you're ever in uh near the bradenton like sarasota area go check it out i forgot what it's called exactly but if you type in circus it should come up it's it's kind of like their their house that they lived in and uh they set up big tents like the circus with all of like like a museum basically of their facts Mm. and it was really cool yeah that's it. Right. Nothing to do with edification. <laughs> Fun well, side here's some trivia, side trivia about P.T. Barnum. <laughs> side facts. Yeah. We're all about booking and cooking. So let's get into our ingredient of the week. This week's ingredient is not quite an ingredient, but what is it, Jess? Well, not quite as strange as that intro, but it is (laughs) a little different. It is breakfast. Breakfast. It's a meal. You choose the ingredients. Ha. So it's ingredients of choice, but they have to be related to breakfast foods, which are inspired by when Violet actually grabs breakfast at some point during the second (laughs) part of this book. (laughs) We'll make something using our ingredient of choice related to breakfast foods to discuss in our final potty episode of season one airing this Thursday. Send us some recipe suggestions to our email, or you can DM it to us on our socials, and we may feature them in the future. You're in big trouble, though, pal. I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast. (laughs) You eat pieces of shit for breakfast? No. Okay. Well, it's that time. It's that time to discuss, Alex. Are you ready to discuss? I don't know if I'm ready to discuss. We needed a few days to process. And process. Yes. Under, I like, yeah. Uh, before we can even come here and communicate with each other. <laughs> yeah. Let alone yeah. you guys. So uh, we have a lot of feelings 
and we're going to discuss them. But before we do, <laughs> we're going to do things a little differently today, being uh, it's the last book discussion of the season and all. We're going to do a little bit differently. Uh, and we're just going to open up first about our feelings a little bit, just a little <laughs> preview of what you're going to get. I just want everyone to know that when I finished this book, I think I mentioned it earlier, but I'm just going to say it again. Uh, I literally closed the book. I stared at the book and then I threw the book. Mm. <laughs> and I literally didn't know how I felt about it. And Alex had told me when she was done reading, she goes, I don't know how I feel about it. And I was like, oh, I wonder what that means. I know what it means. Yeah. All right. I went to Doug and I was like, I finished the book. And he's like, what do you think? You know, how do you feel? I was like, I don't know. I don't even want to talk to you about it. Yeah. I was like, I don't even want to talk to anyone about it. And then I went and hid and processed <laughs> and ate some dark chocolate. And that, that that's what happened. Yeah. I am not going to lie. I might have mentioned this earlier, but I knew how I felt when I was done reading this book. I was trying to give myself a little bit of time, but I also didn't want to bias you at the time when I finished it because you hadn't yet. And I was like, well, I don't want to, you know, have her going in with thoughts of, oh, I hated it. But I, I feel a lot of negative emotions about this book. I feel a lot of distaste and frustration and I'm not going to lie. I really didn't. I did not like this book. I didn't enjoy it. There were some good parts maybe thrown in there, but I don't think that there was enough to make me feel better about it. I don't know. I, I feel very low energy for this book. I, it put me into a book slump. Like I, fourth wing put me into a book hangover. Iron flame put me into a book slump. I feel, I still feel like angry about this book. Yeah. I feel deceived. We're a little bitter about it. So we just wanted to prepare you for yeah. that. And I feel that 75% of this book could be thrown out, thrown out. Yeah. Throw it I out. I agree. Get rid of it. Uh, 25% of that I'm pleased with uh, for the most part. There are some other issues lurking in those that 25% also. But as far as the characters go and the storyline and the scenes that we got that were riveting, uh, 25% for me. It was were were great, and they followed for me the love I had for the first book. But that's not great for a book. No, that it's no. only twenty five percent. No, and when you so, think about it, that's a six hundred page book. A quarter of that is what a little under two hundred pages. Mm-hmm. One hundred and fifty pages. Yeah, I mean that's bad. I'm sorry. Yes, I'm is. sorry. That's bad. And it was horrible because I I couldn't read it. It kept making me not want to read it. It kept making me want to read something else. I wasn't excited about reading it. The scenes that I'm talking about within that 25%, though, I was like, oh, okay. And it got me back into it. And then it got me out of it. And then it got me back into it. Then I never wanted to read it again. I wanted to DNF it, like Alex said. Mm -hmm. You said the same. Yeah. And and then I was like, no, I can't do that because I am connected to the character. So I'll keep reading on. And then, uh, you know, at the end there, I mean, I guess maybe the last 40 pages, I was hooked ever since the situation with Sawyer, which we'll talk about. I was hooked again. And then that ending made me just want to chuck the book. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I still don't know how I feel. And I'm going into this conversation still not knowing how I feel about it. So maybe that's going to change my perception on how we talk. I don't know. But yeah, that's what I guess. But All right. be prepared. Yeah. Be prepared. Anyway, those were my feelings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I feel like, did you ever hear the Jack Black skit where he's like, uh, it's like called drive through or something. And he's like, I want four chicken McNuggets. He's like, sorry, we have a six piece. He's like, take two of them and stick them up your ass. He's like, throw them away. 
That's how I feel about this book. I feel like I wanted six chicken nuggets, let's just say, of course, vegetarian. Mm -hmm. And I was given maybe two. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. right? Yeah. I got the throwaways, I feel like. Okay. All right. It made sense when I had it in my mind. All right. right. Don't judge me. No, it it makes sense. (laughs) Does it? You know how you have the six piece nuggets? (laughs) Just, uh, can you give me just four nuggets? I'm I'm trying to. Shut up and listen to my order. Take the six nuggets and throw two of them away. I'm just wanting a four nugget thing. I'm trying to watch my calorie intake. Put two of them up your ass and give me four chicken McNuggets. <laughs> it kind of makes sense. I, I think it makes sense. Let's start talking about this book. This is part two. If you haven't heard our part one discussion, why are you here? Please, please press pause and go listen. (laughs) So you know what happened in that one if you didn't read this book and you need a rundown. But as far as this one goes, we're going to be discussing part two. So let's start. Uh, Let's start. We're just going to break down some important topics that happened and and talk about them with you. All right. If you haven't read it, we'll give you the rundown of of what happens. And if you did read it, you'll feel our pain or understand. (laughs) (laughs) Or I don't know. We'll see. The first thing let's talk about is that after the second part starts, they are returning to Aretia, Aretia. I don't Mm -hmm. know how to say it. Let's say Aretia. Uh, And Mira shows up there, her sister. And basically all of the three uh, Soringale children are there together. So let's Mm -hmm. talk about that. Yeah, I enjoyed seeing the Soringale siblings reunited. I thought that this was a nice part of the book. I really liked Mira. I I just like Mira as a character, but I thought it was hilarious. as She sees Brennan for the first time. She had believed him dead for six years and she just goes up and punches him in the face. (laughs) And I think I I think she broke his nose or at least it was close to it. I know Violet was like, I heard a a crunch. Uh, So it it was just a fun and sweet moment. Well, I mean, maybe not sweet moment, but it was a nice and sweet (laughs) reunion once they got talking. And I I liked that Mira also didn't go easy on Brennan, just like Violet really didn't go too easy on him in the beginning of the book, just kind of grilling him about the fact that he allowed them to believe he was dead for six years. And, you know, he he makes it known that his reasons were important and they all seem to come to an understanding. And then it was just nice to see them working together on the same side throughout the remainder of the book. So I did like this part of, of the novel. I agree. I think it was on point for Mira's character uh, that she because she's tough. So I think it was on point for her character to respond that way to seeing her brother who made her mourn for no reason. Basically, I would be pissed, too. So I loved that she came and she showed up. I loved that all three of them were working together. Same as you. I think uh, we were speculating on that at the end of Fourth Wing. And that came to fruition at this point. And it was nice to see. And that's it. That's all I got on that. Okay. (laughs) So another aspect of this book is that Violet starts having these dreams, especially now that she's in Eurasia, she's beyond the wards, and she is seeing the sage who is this leader of the Venon. And it's kind of interactive, too. So at first, she's running away from him. She has uh, several of these dreams. By the last dream, she ends up seeing this person. She sees his face, and they even interact at some points where he says, you know, oh, but you're sleeping beyond the ward, so he knows where she is, and he he makes some other statements to her as well. It almost begs the question, is Violet able to predict the future? Because once she sees the sage in real life later on in the book, 
that is what he actually looks like. She actually saw him. And I think we're supposed to believe that she was actually interacting with him, but in a dream state. So what are your thoughts on on this aspect? So this is one of those things that I actually really liked. But when I was reading it before I knew that this was the case, I was annoyed. And I was like, well, I don't care about her nightmares. But then I started realizing, I was like, oh, all right, well, maybe something's happening here because I know Andarna no longer can stop time, but maybe her next signet will have something to still do with time. So I'm thinking, all right, maybe there's got to be a reason for this. And then it does come full circle. We find out later that she did see in her dream his face and that his face actually matches up with the real life sage. So perhaps she is having premonitions. Perhaps her signet with Andarna will be something about seeing the future or having to see visions and they all come true or something similar to what Melgren has, except not the outcome of battles, you know, maybe some kind of um, some kind of future premonition. Uh, so I think that's what we're going to see in the next book. Something happened with that. Maybe something is going to come out of that also that he knows where maybe she is and he's going to come and get her or come to her location, knowing that he can enter her brain. Uh, Kind of similar to he who shall not be named entering Harry's brain in a way. Kind of get those vibes. Uh, So that's what's maybe going on there as well. So a lot of uh, a lot of feelings on that. But yeah, I think it's overall it was important that we got that information. And I think it's going to lead up to something in the third book. Yeah, I agree. I definitely think that she is having some type of premonition, whether it's linked to her signet or not. I don't know. I still think that her second signet is going to have something to do with being able to communicate with the dead. I do think Mm -hmm. at some point we're going to be seeing her communicating with her father. However, it does beg the question. Sorry to say that again, but do the Venom, are they really alive? Do they toe the line between life and death? Maybe because of that reason, she's able to communicate with them in other ways, or maybe this Venon has powers that we don't know about yet that allows him to be able to communicate with her through her dreams or through mind work or, or something of that nature. I do have a feeling that the sage may end up being somebody that we know that maybe not somebody we've met in the novel yet, but somebody that played an important role in Navarian history. So I'm curious to see how this is all going to pan out. I liked this part of the novel for the most part. However, The thing that frustrated me about it was that she would have these dreams. They're very, in my opinion, disturbing dreams. They were very realistic. If I had a dream and I was seeing the sage and he was saying to me, well, now you're sleeping beyond the wards, I would feel very disconcerted and I would probably communicate that to someone. I might do some research into mind connections or mind speaking or something of that nature. And Violet showed absolutely no curiosity about these nightmares. And I thought that it was inconsistent with her character who once again as a highly intelligent person person should have some level of curiosity about these things that have little explanation and it literally would just be a scene of the dream and then it would be like it never even happened she never talks about it with anyone she never thinks about it she never questions it and i just thought that that was a bizarre choice in the novel and i would have liked to have seen them exploring that more especially in, re- in place of some other things that I didn't enjoy. I agree with you. And I feel like it's not in her, in line with her character. She's always mm-hmm. trying to figure everything out. She's always trying to basically be the saving grace for everyone, apparently, because people will say, oh, this is happening. And she'll say, no, 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 actually, it's this. And they'll be like, no, 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 you're wrong. No, 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 you're wrong. There's a lot of that in this novel. And it turns out she's always right. <laughs> mm-hmm. So why isn't she questioning it more? And why isn't she talking, especially with Satan, about it? She talks about the whole novel about how he's keeping secrets. So why are you like, I don't know, there's just so much going on with that. And it's 
I'll tell you why. Annoying. It's because she's only intelligent when it it suits the plot. And when mm-hmm. it doesn't suit the plot, she doesn't need to be anything. And that's how it's written. And I'll just leave that there because I'm going to get angry a, again. It's not a violent issue. It's, it's a writing issue. A writing issue. Correct. Yep. So I do want to touch on something you said about the communication with the dead. Maybe the sage is the one that's entering her mind. That could be mm-hmm. maybe we're being led astray to think maybe that it has to do with the signet. Or it could also be maybe since she's able to communicate with the dead as well, maybe it's going to have something to do with she can change things that happen in time, go back in time and mm. save people or going forward in time and see things through the eyes of something that would or, be interesting. or someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so maybe something like that, something having to do with the time frame that she could travel or change or something. As far as uh, the sage being someone that we maybe know of, but don't know yet. I mean, we see people coming back from the dead as Venon in this novel. Maybe it's her dad. Wouldn't that be wild? You know, I thought that, but I thought she would recognize him if it was. But that was my first thought. I was like, oh, maybe it's her dad, but maybe, maybe. she wouldn't recognize him. I mean, it's been well, five years now that he's and been dead. And they do mention they do mention that uh, it changes like they get some kind of um, enhancement of, or something like their eyes will change. So this yeah. way they can see in the dark or something. They all get some kind of heightened power. Mm-hmm. Maybe his face changed. Who knows? Maybe. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised after the whole thing with Jack, which we'll talk about in a little bit. He could maybe even manipulate if it is like a mind work type of thing, maybe just manipulate her perception. So she's not actually seeing what he really looks like. It's possible. Who knows? Like he's wearing a mask. Yeah. Whatever. Mm. We'll see. We won't know until we do. (laughs) (laughs) Accurate. Well, what we do know is that, you know, uh, they were all anti-flyers and, you know, they didn't like the Griffins in the first one until the Violet had the, the battle scene where she actually fought with the Griffins in the last one. So in this one, they actually do come together uh, and they, well, I think we should talk about the Luminary and that situation first before we touch on that because that's what leads to it. But there is something called a Luminary and it's needed to build the ward uh, around Aretia and Violet needs to go there and get it. Zayden gives her a hard time and says, no, 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 I don't want you there. She, uh, shocker, disobeys him and flies there with her brother and sister. They go and see this guy, Takaris or Takaris, whatever his name is, because Takaris, right? Um, They go see him and he says, you know, I can't wait to see your lightning in full effect and he surprises her with this chest that we find out actually belonged to Zayden's dad and was given as a gift in trade for Kat. So we find out Kat is actually there. She was the trade-off for the chest. Uh, He was supposed to marry her. Obviously he broke off that engagement. So uh, out of this chest comes out a venom and Violet has to fight this venom and protect her family who's behind her, her brother and sister. It's an interesting scene. So let's discuss that one first. Yeah, this was an enjoyable scene for a couple of reasons. One, and I'm talking specifically about when she fights the venom, everything leading up to it, I hated. But when she was fighting the venom, I really enjoyed this one. I really enjoyed her seeing working with Mira and Brennan in a battle type situation and seeing how their different strengths played out. I thought that was really cool. I thought it was really interesting because you have Brennan and Mira who are somewhat significantly older than Violet. And yet she was the one who was the linchpin. She was the one that ended up killing the venom in a really cool way. She ended up 
So she was having difficulty aiming up until this point. She had done some training, but she really hadn't been able to aim her lightning. So she decides she's going to have water fill this like little amphitheater enough to the point where she throws these daggers into the Venom's foot, pinning him in, in place. And she strikes the lightning into the water, thereby electrocuting and killing the Venom. I thought it was really innovative. I thought it was a really fun scene to read. And once again, I enjoyed watching the siblings working together. And also I kind of liked the protective nature of Mira and Brennan kind of being like, are you sure, you know, you're, we need to protect you. And she was like, just get out of here. <laughs> I, I know what I'm doing. And then we also see Taryn coming in at the end for the win and getting her out of the water just in time to ensure that she doesn't electrocute herself in addition to the venom. So Taryn coming in clutch, loved seeing that. It was just a really cool scene. It was exciting and I enjoyed it. Everything leading up to it with Viscount Takaris and Kat and the pettiness and the, excuse my pun, but the cattiness of the two girls going back and forth and fighting over Zayden. I hated everything about it. And I'll just say that I just it was unnecessary in this book. I hated reading it. It was super, super immature. It felt like 14 year old girls fighting over the boy that they like in school. I hated it. Wow. Let's sit black that for now. <laughs> OK, but OK. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. Well, I agree with you. I loved this scene. This is one of those scenes in the 25% for me. Uh, it was exciting to read. Her outfit sounded beautiful, yet badass. And I really liked it. Uh, I think it was like a black dress. She chose black instead of color. And she she stayed true to her writer colors. And it had like, I think, feathers or something on it. Some kind of embellishments. Uh, and it just sounded really cool. So it was a fun fun to imagine her, you know, fighting Venom in this outfit, like this random outfit she wouldn't want to wear to fight. And then on this rock formation, this cliff that he had there. So it was really a lot of good imagery there. I really liked reading the scene. Uh, I liked the whole idea of Violet being a badass, protecting her siblings and taking care of business. And I just thought it was really good. It was a good inclusion. Uh, and of course, she does get the luminary, or at least she she won by doing that, the chance to speak about getting the luminary. Uh, I thought it was a fun scene. I thought he was interesting to Karis to a point. Uh, there were some things about him that kind of irked me. But going to the next thing, he does tell um he does tell uh, violet yes you can have the luminary for whatever you need as long as you take the flyers and cat his niece with you so that's what they do they they end up traveling uh i don't think the griffins are allowed to fly straight there there's some reason why i believe um the altitude is not good for them or something right uh so they end up traveling on these rocks it's a long journey and instead of flying above them with their dragons all the riders actually do travel on the rocks with them and they have to jump over things hurdles is a wyvern attack that's unexpected some people have to jump and they can't make it across riddick does get hurt so let's talk about that yeah i liked the scene i didn't like that riddick was injured however i did really like his character and the way that he acted during the scene he seemed very brave to me he was also just really concerned about ensuring the safety of his squad mates and also the flyers. And I just really enjoyed reading about Riddick in these scenes. I I don't know if I felt too emotional about this. So basically there's a snag in their plan. They're trying to jump over this really sketchy area and 
Violet just makes it and, uh, you know, the other flyers are able to make it. However, there is one girl who is much smaller than the others and she doesn't quite make it. And she ends up kind of falling off the side of the, the cliff and then another one falls off and Violet's kind of holding them both. Her shoulders popping out of the socket and one of the Griffins comes over and saves Visia. I, I believe it was Visia, one of the other flyers. However, Luella does end up falling to her death. So I thought it was nice to see Violet in this heroic role, really trying to save a quote unquote enemy, uh, somebody that they've considered an enemy pretty much her entire life. Obviously, we know that they are allies. However, they don't really get along. There is a lot of tension between all of them. And this does cause quite a bit of tension between her and Kat. Cat believes she intentionally dropped Luella in order to save a rider instead. And despite Marin, who's another flyer, telling Cat otherwise, she's not convinced and it just creates a lot of tension in their group. But it was an exciting scene to read. I was concerned for Riddick's safety. Luckily, Brennan is able to mend him. However, I was concerned about him and I was excited to read these chapters because I wasn't sure if he was going to make it out of, of this set of chapters. Yeah, this was the first time I think in the entire novel that I was like so genuinely concerned for a character. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't concerned for Violet or her friends with Varish because I knew that they would make it out. I just knew everything would end up okay in the end. Yeah, uh, I was a little bit, you know, the torture scene was a little hard to read. But but during this scene, as soon as my man Riddick got hurt, I was very concerned because he's one of my favorites. Side character, yes, one of my favorites. I think he brings so much to this book. Uh, so much. So um, he's in the 25% alone. Anyway, that being said, uh, I really liked Marin. I thought she was interesting. Kat annoyed me still during these scenes. Uh, she was just a little over the top. But I really did like Marin. I thought that she was at least giving Violet a chance. And I liked that. And and they do grow a, a friendship. Marin is actually Kat's like, best friend in the flyer group. And, you know, the flyers, they're, they're still at odds with the riders. I mean, they're at odds with one another. They're traveling as a team, but, and they're trying to do teamwork together, but they're not a team because they've been conditioned their whole lives as part of this disinformation campaign to hate one another, thinking that they're the enemies. Meanwhile, they have a common enemy that they just didn't know about. So it was interesting to watch this play out. And I liked it. It was part of the 25% for me. I liked it because you know, it made sense if they just automa automatically were a team teaming up together and, you know, they loved each other, then I'd be like, all right, this is stupid. Obviously, there had to be some kind of tension there. You know, it makes sense. I, I, I had concerns for Riddick and I'm glad that he turned out OK. That's all. Yeah. As far as the girl Luella goes, Cat uh, annoyed me that she blamed Violet for that. You yeah. know, Marin's like, I watched. She really tried to help her. And just Kat didn't, wasn't open to listening about it because she just was re resenting her over some man. Like, who doesn't yeah. want you? It just annoyed me. Yeah. It was immature and it was. catty. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Uh, as far as the wyvern attack, she makes a point to say later on in the book, Violet, that when wyvern around, the venom aren't far behind. So where was this venom? Plot hole, as far as I'm concerned. Because where was it? Yeah. Eh. Right? I mean, I think it's possible for them to have not been far away and just never caught up with them. But once again, to me, this is just Becky Yarrow saying, oh, it'd be really cool if they got attacked by wyverns now. So I'm just going to throw this in without much consideration for the world building and the realistic nature in this universe of whether this is something that would really happen or not. So, yeah. Right. yeah. It, it was a cool idea, but I would say it was 90% executed. There's a 10% amount there that I'm sorry to keep throwing percentage at you guys, but <laughs> that's what I got for this one. Uh, but there's like a 10% there where it was like no thought process. She really, did you outline, like, did you consider this? I don't know. I don't yeah. know. 
Yeah. So another aspect of the second part of this book is that the journal that Violet had been able to, with her peers, steal from the vaults at the archives, The it was a journal by one of the six writers that describes how they raised the first wardstones over Beskayeth, the wards. And she's been she's one of the only people that knows how to read Lucerish. It's one of the languages. And so she's been working on translating and she's having some difficulty with it. She had tried to raise the wards and it was unsuccessful. So Dane actually approaches her and offers his help. He also knows Lucerish. And it turns out that he identifies that she has miss it was Dane who discovered that the the word was the wrong <gasps> word, right? Yeah. All right. Um. So oh. he just dis- he discovers that was in the, it? I can't re- now I can't remember if it was him it was, or well, it was Jesenia. Jesenia. The end. Was it Jesenia? The word seven was Jesenia. That I know. No, not seven. Um. It, no, it was the Iron Flame versus Iron Rain. I think that was Dane. So okay. I think so, yeah. Too. So Dane discovers in his translation <laughs> that. Violet had been translating this one passage that she thought was Iron Rain, and he corrects her and explains that it's actually Iron Flame. And this leads them to eventually discover how the wards were actually raised and that it involved dragons. And eventually, Jasenia becomes a part of this as well and identifies that there were the seven dragons. And we'll get into this more later on. But I think Dane played a pretty, pretty important role in this. And so what were your thoughts on on this whole set of events all right so after fourth wing i wanted dane's blood i wanted his blood i never expected to be here where i'm like he redeems himself and now i feel bad for him i didn't feel that way at the end you know i wanted him cut limb by limb by a dragon eaten his i know you did you wanted him I mean, burned and eaten <laughs> yes i'm not gonna lie i wanted him on a silver platter for the dragons however it turned around for me i really do feel differently he really did redeem himself when it came to helping Violet and Varish, the whole situation. Can I trust him 100%? Can she trust him 100%? I don't know, but I feel like he's on his way uh, to re- redemption. And I feel like had he fully redeemed himself 100% and he was trustworthy 100%, maybe it wouldn't have been as realistic. So I'm glad that it was kept kind of realistically uh, in, in tune for this one. Uh, as yeah. far as her helping with him in the, in the Wardstone, believe it or not, I was rooting for their friendship. Uh, yeah. I was happy to see their teamwork. I was happy to see them coming together and working on something towards a common goal and actually him not being a little douchebag, just trying to touch her face and get her memories. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they were, like Alex said, they were trying to imbue, she kept using the word imbue, which I assume means like they're energizing or powering it up so that it can be kickstarted. Uh, and I liked that they came together and did this and they did it for weeks at a time. They met together for weeks in the library. And it was just, I, I liked seeing it. Uh, and I, I was unexpected for me to feel that way after the last book. So, yeah, I really enjoyed this. I wish I, so I really enjoyed Dane's character in this book. He felt more realistic. He didn't feel like a two dimensional character that was only really there to serve a purpose in these scenes it made me understand why he and Violet were friends to begin with. In Fourth Wing, it never really made sense because they always seemed like they didn't make sense together and he was always acting like a protective dick, (laughs) for lack of a better (laughs) word. Um, So I really enjoyed this. You know, I was rooting for a Dane redemption because I I didn't like the idea of him just being this cold villain, kind of like how Varish was portrayed in this book, where he was just like bad, bad, bad for no reason. 
it just didn't make sense to me for for Dane, especially because Violet had known him for so long. They were very close for a long time. I wanted him to have the opportunity to redeem himself. And I think that he did. I think he will be trustworthy moving forward. But I agree with you that I like that they built up to that in this book. They were it wasn't just because he decided to join them all of a sudden all's forgiven because it wasn't. And she was very reluctant and hesitant to work with him. But at the end of the day, it was the right move for the safety of everyone involved. So I have a potential theory that I just thought of this second. What if, because Violet kept saying when she kept having the nightmares that we mentioned about the sage, that he felt familiar, right? So perhaps it's Varish. Varish, uh, maybe he comes back as a Venon. Maybe he was in charge of the Venon all this long, all this time, because it mentions, but we don't know who, how they're coming back. And she doesn't understand how they're coming back. It's got to be somebody, a rider or something, bringing them back. So maybe it's Varish bringing them back all this time and then they revive him. And now he's he's still you know in charge, but he's going to be Venom. Who the hell knows? Mm-hmm. Just a theory, but... I actually, I did see a theory about Varish already being a Venon, and the support for this was that the Venon control their dragons, whereas the riders are kind of at the mercy of their dragons. If their dragons die, they will die. However, it appears that it could be that if Solus had died, he might not have died. We're not really sure. Again, it's just a theory. I thought it was it was kind of interesting and it would make sense. However, we didn't really get any answers to that in this book. So possibly maybe in the next one or in future books, maybe that will be something that happens. I don't really like the idea of him being the head honcho just because I hated him so much, but that would make sense because I hated him so much. You know what I mean? He he is a terrible person so he, sh- he should be high up with the venom if he is one <laughs> i mean other suspects maybe melgrin mm, i have a little bit of a soft spot for melgrin i don't know i don't yeah. think he's really bad only because uh, he has a cool dragon he That's does have one. a cool dragon but i think he i think he wants what's best for navarre and i think he does do his best to protect it but who knows honestly who who knows well. Let me tell you, if he is in disguise, that would be a shock because that would be one of those twisties. And if at the end, Violet kind of talks to Coda, his dragon, and tries to convince him to come back with them, he would be like a spy. That would be interesting. Mm. Yeah. 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 Just going through some stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's possible. So now that all of these riders and cadets have relocated to Eurasia and they've also agreed to bring along some of these flyers and to train the flyers, that was another one of the agreements for with uh, Takaris was that they would train alongside the flyers so that they have a chance also to defend themselves and their their people. They start taking classes together. They go through trainings together. And in addition to that, we see Violet working with one of the council members of the revolution. I believe it's Felix that she's working with to try and hone her powers and learn how to use them as an actual weapon. So Felix kind of mentions that Professor Carr hadn't been training her appropriately. She's not able to aim at all. She kind of just unleashes power based on her emotions. And he's trying to teach her how she can channel that so that she can actually use it in a warlike situation and not have it be so reliant on her emotional state at the time because up until this point that's really what we've seen from violet is that she gets very angry or very scared for somebody that she loves and then she's able to do what she needs to do but for the most part she's yeah but she's kind of just throwing her power around and it's very it's very powerful (laughs) the lightning so it it does the job but it's not really refined so he gives her this 
orb that she can use as a conduit to try to control her power a little bit better. What did you think about her training, this conduit, and just in general, the training with the flyers? Uh, well, I think now you just got it in my head. Did Carr follow them? I think he stayed behind, right? I think he originally stayed behind, but I think eventually he does come over. But I, I could be mistaken about that. I don't remember all the professors. There were some that stayed behind and then came later. And then there were some that came initially. Because he could be a little sus as well. Yeah. For the Venom, bringing back the Venom. If that's yeah. the case, you know, trying to hold back her power. Who knows? Yeah. I thought it was definitely suspect when I was reading this part. Yeah. As far as Alex said, you know, I agree. She is badass. She's got a badass signet and she has the potential to be unfreaking stoppable you know what i mean like to be so powerful if she can actually hone in on her magic and control it correctly or direct it correctly she'll be unstoppable when she does i love that for her <laughs> i really liked this the training scene as far as the conduit goes i thought it was interesting i like the fact that she can you know harness all her power and put it into an object i like things like that i thought that was interesting Training with the Flyers, there was things I loved and things I did not. You know, I like that they're working together instead of being enemies. I like that they're all under, for lack of reality, they're not really under a roof, but they're under the same facility or whatever. They're all training and working together. Cat annoyed the shit out of me when she was knocking on her door in her nightgown, um, trying to go to Zayden's room. And she just annoyed me, like, desperate. Like, calm down. Like, she was like, I want the crown. Like, she doesn't even love Zayden. She just wants the crown. Like, dude, he doesn't even care about the crown. Like, relax. I don't know. She annoyed yeah. me. There was a lot of scenes, but she kind of redeems herself. Uh, I'm pretty sure we, we will talk about her a little bit more yeah. um, later, but... She, she redeems herself for me. I do like her in the end, but during these scenes, I did not. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like her up until basically her, in what I consider her redemption scene. But I, I kind of liked the idea that she was after the crown more so than the idea that she was just fighting over a man. Because, I mean, just what it's been done so many times in a book. Do we need to read this yeah. again? It, Two women it, fighting over some stupid guy. I don't even like Satan right now. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I know. So I, I was like, really? Like, Come on, this, girls. Like, you're better than that. But this this goes back for me, the fact that she's a romance writer, mm. Rebecca Yaros. And I feel like she's doing a lot of romancy things and she thinks that's what the people want to read. And she does a little too much. It's a little too much romance filler for me. It's too much. It shouldn't and be about that focus. I also... what the focus should be. I feel like in modern, you know, books that come modern out now... No, we we've kind of moved away from this idea of pinning woman against woman, especially when it comes to a man. Why can't we have two powerful women working alongside each other that don't like each other, but that do it because they know that they need to for the greater good? Why do we need to have this unnecessary conflict? Why can't we have these independent women just being independent and Honestly, with this war that's coming and the trials they're about to face, why do we need to be focusing on relationships at all right now? In my opinion, it was just a distraction. I hated it. That's all I have yeah. to say. It would have been more fun. I would have loved Kat immediately if she was like, oh, you were with Zayden? She'd be like, yeah, I was with Zayden. So she'd be like, but you could have him. I'm going to do me. Like, I don't give yeah. a shit. I would have loved that. You know, nice to meet it. you. Nice to meet you. Hope you're happy, but I don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I would have been like, okay. Yeah. You know, like, because Kat's powerful as shit. She's like the most mm -hmm. uh, powerful of the flyers. Mm -hmm. You know, she's awesome with this conduit. She's really good at it. She's like the top of her class doing it uh, with 
including over Violet, who's usually the top of her class. So, you know, she's definitely smart. They definitely have a lot in common. Maybe they were butting heads because they had a lot in common, especially Zayden. But there was a lot of it that could have just been removed. It was a lot of fluff that could have been replaced with something a little more fun, in my opinion. And I agree with you. I don't like the whole yeah. woman versus woman over a man bullshit. Yeah, it's just it's been done so many times. We don't need more of it. We need something different. It was played out. It was boring and it was just frustrating and stupid and immature. That's all. That's all. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's it. No, I mean, because we could get into details about literal details when they're fighting on the mat. And she's like, oh, well, I taught him this. And who cares? Yeah. It was petty. It was pathetic, in my opinion. And it just irked me while I was reading. And I was like, oh, it was actually. Thank you. Next. You know, during that scene is where I almost DNF this book. And then the scene that followed it as well with where they go and have sex on the throne. I was like, I, I don't think I can read any more of this. I don't know if I, I can do it. I won't even discuss that scene. Yeah. Okay. I skipped a lot of that scene. All yeah. right. Anyway, <laughs> I just want to say also interject here before we stop talking, because I don't think we're going to talk about Takaris again. Uh, it sounds, and this might just be me nitpicking, but it sounds a little too coincidentally similar to Dr Drakaris for me, which is from the Game of Thrones, right? So much of this book reminded me of Game of Thrones. I can't get into this right now. I'm sorry. I'll save this for my thoughts later. So much of it. I'm just putting that out there, uh, that it reminded me of Dracarys. I mean, if you're going to do something that's inspired by something, don't just change a few words. I mean, a few letters. And it, it, it's obvious, girl. It's obvious. That's all. Yeah. You know, this has been one of my main gripes with Becky Yars. So I'll save it for later. Okay. All right. Well, that brings us to, hey, Zayden has a second signet. Did you know? Well, we know that he is a descendant of the writer that came before him uh, for Segal. So it, it's, you know, alluded to the fact that when that happens, they might develop a second signet or a madness or something like that. So we find out Zayden has a second signet, which we predicted anyway, because back in the first book, uh, he reads her minds, you know, and it comes out later that they can communicate through their minds, but not necessarily read each other's minds. Apparently he reads everybody's minds, but maybe not word for word like hers, uh, but he can read their emotions, he says. So he knows when they're, you know, feeling... Uh, they're in, they're in, he can read their intentions. Right, their so intentions. He, yeah. Yeah. I'll let you talk about it. But basically, how do you feel about it? And also... How do you feel about kind of when Violet finds out this information, she's manipulating him with it? Hmm. Well, she's exploiting it kind of to her benefit. All right. Well, let me start at the beginning. One very good place to start. I'm fairly certain that in Fourth Wing, Zayden mentions that his grandfather was bonded to Segal. I'm pretty sure he tells that to Violet. Then there is in one of the pre-chapter passages in this book, they talk about a second signet and then it's brought to light by Sloan. Immediately, I was already, I, I knew that this was going to end up being a big reveal. I knew that he was going to end up having a second signet. I already thought that he had something like this that he was keeping hidden because he always seemed to know what people were thinking or at least was able to pre-plan for a lot of attacks. And Violet had made it very clear throughout Fourth Wing and in this book that he always seemed one step ahead, always kind of seemed to know what she was thinking. So he may not have been actually reading her mind, but he was reading her intentions. He knew what she wanted to do. He said most of the times it came through in images versus words, and he had to keep it secret because he was fairly certain they would have killed him because they do kill the instant, um, 
in, in, intrinsics, 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 who are the people that develop the signet to be able to read minds, as we saw in Fourth Wing. So I was not surprised by this. I was a little irritated at how he was trying to be built up as this big reveal. Maybe that was just a personal gripe for me. Maybe some people were very surprised by this. I thought that there was enough evidence to already kind of anticipate this. In terms of Violet's reaction to it, number one, I was annoyed that she got so mad at him about it. I understood. I guess it made sense. I just, at this point in the novel, was so fed up with them fighting that I was like, really, really need one more thing for them to fight about now. Like, it's going to be this now for the rest of the book because I'll shoot my brains out. I can't handle it. So I was just kind of irritated with her. I was irritated with him. And in terms of how she uses it to manipulate him, uh, I don't really have any thoughts on it, to be honest. I didn't really like anything between Violet and Zayden in this book, so I'll just lump it in with that. I, it's not one of the things that really stuck out to me that I felt a strong emotion towards in terms of hating it or really liking it, but I'll just say that I really didn't like anything between Violet and Zayden throughout this entire book, and that goes for this entire reveal and the aftermath. Yeah. Okay, so I just want to say, like, overall, before I even get into this, that you know how much I loved my Zadie's aides in Fourth Wing. I loved him, okay? Loved, you know, contemplated, thought about him often after, okay? After this book, I feel like his character's been so weakened, right? So weakened to the point where I just find him, like, pathetic. I I don't know. Grating. Yeah. Yeah. This annoyed the shit out of me. First of all, that whole chunk of the first part, like we mentioned, that could be removed about their relationship and just them friggin' fighting the whole time. Mm-hmm. This could have been included then. Yeah. Why wasn't it? Because yeah. now oh, we got to fight again. No, it, come on. I don't know. I, I just, I didn't like it. The whole signet reveal, though. I mean, yeah, that's cool. You know, I kind of had a feeling uh, that not that tonight's going to be a good night, but, I, you know, I like <laughs> but I did have a feeling that that was going to be something along those lines that he was going to have some kind of second special thing. Otherwise, why mention it at all? That should have kind of maybe been included in the first book. Mm. If not, okay, fine. You want to save it for the second book because it does go with the flow of them learning more about Zayden, right? About Zayden being more open and actually trusting someone. I get it. It was just too much. But he wasn't more open. (laughs) That's the thing, too, is he wasn't even more open because he doesn't even reveal this until she flat out approaches him about it and says, do you have a second signet? And he almost refuses to answer at first. And I was like, I can't, I I really, I can't do this again. (laughs) That goes with the weakening of his character for me, because he's so afraid to tell everyone. I get it. He doesn't want to die. I get that. He doesn't want people to know, but Violet's not going to blow up his spot. You know what I mean? And anybody else, you know what I mean? No one's going to find out. She's not going to just be like, oh, by the way, Zayden's an intrinsic or whatever it's called. Yeah. That's not going to happen. So it was annoying. The whole thing was annoying to me where he was just sitting there being, you know, reluctant to tell her. And it just was like a repetitive bullshit of the first part that we hate. All the parts in the first part where he was just reluctant to tell her things. And of course, he wrote her a letter. But of course, he's not going to put that in the letter in case it gets in the wrong hands. It just uh, it was just it was also super dramatic. It was an extension of all the fluff in the first one is what I have to say. 
It was super dramatic too, the way he revealed it. He was like, how long do you think it takes to fall out of love with somebody? Oh and, my God, and then, how corny, I know. And then he, yeah, and then he reveals it to her and he's like 17 seconds or however long it was, I don't know. And she was like, what? And he's like, that's how long it took you to fall out of me. I was like, shut, I, I, I wanted to not finish this book. Like all of this stuff leading up to this, I was like, I don't think I could read any more of this. When I was saying that some of the dialogue was super cringe, this is one of the scenes that pops out in my mind specifically because I was like, really? First of all, I'm sorry. People want to talk about how, oh, Violet and Zayden are in their early 20s. They should be immature. Fuck that. If you're going to be immature, be immature. But then don't go and say shit like this. OK, well, how, how long do you think it takes to fall out of love with someone? Because she's going to find out about your second signet. Shut the fuck up. Shut up. OK, that's all I have to say. This, no, that's fine. And to branch off that. One of my favorite movies, so random. One of my favorite movies is Moonstruck. I love, love. We love our girl Cher. So this should come in no surprise to anybody who's been in the whole <laughs> season. But Cher's in the movie Moonstruck, okay? And so is Nicolas Cage, who is the most dramatic actor of all time. <laughs> He's not a good actor, in my opinion. I'm sorry. I do love him in that movie because I love that movie. But there's this one scene that sums up Zayden for me. Okay? <laughs> okay. Where he's like, it's so super dramatic. You know what I'm talking about? Where he's yeah. like, I lost my hands. <laughs> he's like, Johnny has his hands. Johnny has his pride. What am I supposed to just forget? It's so dramatic. <laughs> and if you know the scene, you know what I'm talking about. I'll play it. But... I lost my hand. I lost my bride. Johnny has his hand. Johnny has his bride. You want me to take my heartbreak, put it away and forget it? If you know what I'm talking about, you know. It's so super dramatic. And that is exactly what Becky Yaryas has turned my Zayden into Yeah. in this book. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I lost my bride. <laughs> I can't. That's her brain. You know, I, I just, I, I can't, I can't. I know it sounds ridiculous and maybe it doesn't click for you guys that didn't see that, but that's just the best way I can sum it up. Yeah. It's so dramatic over the top. Yeah. All right. Going back to Nick Cage, if you've seen the movie Kick-Ass, he's super dramatic in that scene. I love that movie. You know, he's in the chair and he's like burning. Yeah. He's like, run, chop. Oh my God. All right. <laughs> well, <laughs> My point is, okay, because I do have one. How did Zayden become Nick Cage? Honestly, why? I don't don't think he was really developed enough in the first book. He was he relied a lot on or I'm not he. Becky Yaros relied a lot on his mystery that really sold him in the first book. And now we're learning more about him because we have no choice because he has to be a real person. And (laughs) I'm not liking it because he's Mm. super mopey. He's also a dick in this book. There were a few times where I was like, what does she even like about him? Because he just sounds like an asshole. I don't know. A few times when he was talking about Kat and then some other things with the rebellion, he just he sounded like an asshole. And I was like, I don't like you anymore. Eh. That's all I have to say about that. Let's move on to the next scene, which we did really like. So it would be a little bit more positive here. Oh, no, no more Nick Cage. Nick Cage. I'm sorry, but I don't know where all that came from. I lost my hand. All All right. So as part of their assignment, as the writers are working with the flyers, they have to go and search around the area to find these hidden runes as they've been learning about in their classes. These tierish runes can help in many ways. They're very powerful. So during this task, Violet is teamed up with Kat, Sloane, and I think Vizia, and they have to track down a 
these runes, they end up tracking one down to a cave. And when they get there, they discover that Solus, Varish's dragon, is friggin' in this cave and he's hunting Violet and he wants to kill her. He straight up wants to kill her. He almost does. He ends up killing Visia and they have to work to try to escape. Jess, tell us about your thoughts on this scene because this I know it was one of my favorite scenes in the book. I know it was one of your favorite scenes. And our girl, Andarna, comes in for a real MVP moment. Uh, Andarna is 20% of my 25%. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this scene was awesome. It it really, it popped up. And while I was literally sitting there dreading reading this book, and I was like, thank the gods to fit in with the book here. Thank them because this, thank God. It was great. I love Andarna. Oh, I love her. She comes through. Solus popping up. That's Varus's dragon. Was awesome. This whole scene was epic. I knew Vizia was going to die because she got extra dialogue. She was going to do these things when they left. And I knew it was never going to come to <laughs> You know, I knew she was dying. Yeah. Like, you always know, right? Yeah. You can always tell when they're like the epic hero. I'm going to do this and this and make a difference. And yeah. they're dead. All of a sudden, also, it's like this random character that they just introduced. And now all of a sudden, she's playing this huge role. And then just well, so that noticed, we can care about her a little bit. Yeah, I noticed that about, about Becky Yar Like when she wants to kill someone off, she doesn't want to devastate us and kill certain characters we love. So she just brings up new people. And I know those people are going to be expendables. Yeah. So, yeah. But anyway, I knew Vizia was a goner. Sorry, Vizia. But, you know, uh, yeah. I, I, this scene was exciting. It was fun to read. You know, I, I loved picturing them inside this cave and all this stuff going on where it was like a dark cave with the flames from the from the dragons. It was it, it was epic and I really loved it. Uh, I, I liked that, you know, the flyers and the writers worked together actually in an actual realistic environment. Uh, and I loved how my girl and Darna shone through in this scene. She was the MVP in the scene. She comes through. Uh, she's just a badass little bee and I love her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I also she- loved this scene. She was basically taking chunks out of the side of the dragon. Like she, she was, was like, don't come for my girl. Like she I just was savage. Her. I know. She was savage. She was. I, I really enjoyed the scene. I really liked how actually at the beginning, Violet was concerned for Andarna's safety. She was like, you need to get out of here, you know, get Kat and get Sloan and get out of here. And she was going to take on Solus with her, her lightning. And she tries and she does you know, do some damage, but for the most part, I think she even throws a dagger in and Kat's trying to, with the, I think a crossbow and they're, they're, they're trying to fight their way out, but it's, it's three people against a dragon that is looking for blood. It's, I mean, really vicious. And Andarna just tears him apart. And I also, one of the parts that I loved during this scene was where she shields Violet, Sloan and Kat with her body. And she's like, don't, you know, hold your breath, don't breathe. And she's she's physically shielding them with her body. And I just thought that was sweet. And it was also badass at the same time. She's a little hero. And does that again later, too. Yeah. And I also really enjoyed Kat in this scene because we see her. She's able to leave. She almost does, but she lingers and she's looking for Violet. And then she decides to come back and help her fight. And I really appreciated that. I really enjoyed seeing it. This is what I wanted to see between these two characters. And it was definitely a, yeah. And it was definitely a turning point for Kat in the book and just in general, in my opinion of her. And I did want to mention that as a result of this, Andarna is deemed a dragon slayer, which among the dragons is actually a really horrible thing. And she should be facing some type of punishment. However, 
the Empyrean, which is the collection of dragons, they do hold a meeting and they decide they won't punish her because I guess they decide that her reasons were valid and noble. But I thought that that was interesting that she's now named Dragon Slayer. And for the dragons that haven't joined them and that aren't on their side, maybe that's going to be an issue for them. And she might become a target in the future. Who knows of the dragons? Let me tell you, the dragon steal the show and i know that's obvious because it's like you read a fantasy book because you want dragons <laughs> so I, I get that but but they really do steal the show for me and i feel like the whole empyrean thing is so interesting and i just wish we get more of that and less of this other filler crap yeah but anyway <laughs> i digress i digress uh i the last thing i'll say about this is that i feel like violet has transformed into dane when it comes to andarna she's very you know to quote Brittany, overprotective, uh, very overprotective her. And I get that because she's young and she wants to make sure she's getting like a mom figure, like she wants to make sure she's protecting her. But the same exact things that she hated and resented Dane for trying to overprotect her is what she's doing to Andarna. And I feel like if she took a step back, she would realize that Andarna is this badass little bitch. And so was Violet. And she needs to recognize that. Yeah. And, you know, let her be, let her do her yeah. Actually, to piggyback off of that real quick, just to kind of go back to our discussion about Zayden, he was the same way in this book. Do you know how frustrated I was when, so she, he wasn't allowing her to go to Viscount Takaris. And when she mm -hmm. shows up, he's like, you're not where I left you and you're not supposed to be here. I won't allow it. All this stuff. And she actually confronts me at one point and is like, you sound like Dane. But as I was reading this, I was straight up like, okay, are we just going to accept that Zayden is Dane now? What the fuck is going on in this book? I hated it. All right. Yeah, I feel like Re Rebecca Yaros was like, all right, well, now Dane's not going to be Dane. So let's make a new Dane out of Zayden. Yeah. It, she kind of like took his character and split it between Violet and Zayden because Violet was doing this throughout the whole book with her friends. She wanted to protect them without giving them the choice. She wanted to protect Andarna without giving her the choice. She wants to protect everyone and be the martyr. And Zayden just wants to keep her, you know, hold away in Aratia like a protected little princess. I don't know. I can't. All right, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, no. The last thing I'll say is overall, before we go to the next thing, because this is really just, again, with her writing that we can't take. But I feel like... Uh, oh, what? Because I'm so upset. <laughs> no, I feel like I love characters. I love these characters. And I feel like she's just bashing my characters over the head and being like accept it and i don't want to accept it because you made me fall in love with certain characters and i still love them and i love new characters in this as well you know I, she she makes me love these characters and then her writing is just why i don't know yeah. it's questionable at best and i'm just like you know you're really taking amazing characters that you're developing and you're either just destroying their development reversing their development or like just changing the characters around but like keep the names i don't know you know what i'm trying to say like i yeah. just i'm very yeah. unhappy <laughs> with her writing and i do love these characters and that's where my conflict forms because i'm attached to the characters so i still love them mm -hmm. yeah. yeah yeah okay that's all but i don't know zayden you're right he is so overprotective in that scene where he's like oh you're not doing as i say and you're not being the good little you know girlfriend and like staying in your spot and he's holding her back and he was the reason she fell in love with him is because he wasn't doing that in the first one so exactly why is he doing it now? exactly it's just it's inconsistent that's all <laughs> did we did we get that out of our system <laughs> I don't know. There's probably more to come. <laughs> we kept saying, and another thing. And I know. Day, and then we kept saying it. All right. Mind you, that was all the cave scene. <clears throat> yeah. All right. Let's move on from here. 
can't promise that we won't say the same things. Anyway, about the writing. Let's talk about Melgren. So we did, you said, you did say, you did say that you have a soft spot for Melgren, but Melgren does show up. He does have his predictions because he is able to see the outcomes of battles and he does see one at one of the outposts. Uh, and he says, you know, you guys aren't there and we lose badly. So please come help us. And everybody basically says, fuck off, because where were you to help us? You don't help us. You lied to us. You're a liar. You should have been preparing these riders all this time. You're a piece of piece of, a piece of trash. And, you know, not to paraphrase. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and during this time as well, you know, Violet ends up figuring out she feels bad. This is who Violet is. She wants to help, even though she knows that they wouldn't do the same for her. And the council, we're not really thrilled with. We don't really love this council. But them and Zayden, nobody, including her brother, no one wants to help because they don't deserve it. And maybe that's true. However, Violet at some point realizes, because Violet always is the smartest person, and she always figures everything out, apparently, that it's actually going to be Baskaya that gets attacked and the wards are going to go down. So she brings this to people's attention. Nobody believes her or they just don't want to go and help. She ends up leaving. But before we get to that, uh, basically, during this meeting, let's just discuss this meeting. Um, it ends with them not wanting to help and Melrin leaving. But General Sorengale, uh, you know, Violet's mother, ends up coming there and she sees her son, Brandon, alive for the first time. So let's talk about the meeting. Yeah, I liked the scene. I thought it was interesting. I still have issues with General Sorengale's character. Again, she seemed out of character in this whole book, but I did like the reunion between her and Brennan. It was nice to see her shocked and also happy about the fact that her son was still alive. I also liked that she decided to help them despite choosing to fight with Melgren and not choosing to fight with the revolution. She does that by giving Violet one of the journals that she had stolen. So another one of the first sixes journals that will help them to determine how to establish the wards and extend them and be able to maintain them. But I really liked how everybody kind of came together and were able to have a civil discussion despite having severely different different outlooks on the situation. I like seeing the inner conflict in the revolution. So I like how there's some of the assembly members who are very resistant to wanting to do anything with Navarre. They had no interest in helping them because they feel like they've been, you know, subjected to a lot of injustices, maybe I'll say, from them. However, I do get the feeling that this is heading in a little bit of a Hunger Games type situation where, you know, the revolution wins and then it turns out they're bad too and you have to, you know, kill her. Anyway, I do feel that a little bit from these scenes. I would like to see a little bit more of them trusting Violet and Zayden and Brennan and all of them when they're saying, hey, this is what is likely to happen and not being so cold, because the whole point of this is that we're trying to help everybody and not just ourselves. I liked Violet figuring out the whole situation with Beskayev. So essentially what the situation is, Melgren is taking his entire military force to the border where he believes they're going to be attacked, despite knowing that they're going to lose this battle based on his signet predictions. And the revolution has chosen not to join them. However, Violet says this is going to leave Baskayeth the most protected place 
completely undefended. And this is the place that the the Venon want. This is where all the power is. And she can kind of see right through the plan. Is it convenient that she was the only one to figure this out? It seems kind of cut and dry to me, but you know, for the purposes of the plot, Violet was the one to figure it out. And I did like that she did. And I like, well, I mean, I agree that it's convenient, although it could, if it does tie into the prediction, I mean, um, the theory that she has premonitions, maybe, maybe she just didn't realize it. And that's why she figures it out. Otherwise, it's a little too ridiculous, in my opinion, that Violet is the only one that's figuring out all these things. And she's just a new cadet. Like, I don't know. It doesn't that annoy anybody else. Is it just me? I just feel like you know, it's a little too convenient for the plot that she's always the one that's like, aha, you know. Violet's always anyway. smart for the plot when the plot benefits, and she's always dumb for the plot when the plot benefits. It's just how Becky well, Yaros writes. I, I agree, and I feel that way for the mom, too. You know, in yeah. the last book, the mom was presented to us as this iron, cold-hearted bitch. You know, she's this cold-hearted bitch who just throws her daughter into the thing she she you know whips zayden 100 and however many times 107 right whatever something and like she that just, like you like you said she seems out of character for this book and the reason is because she needs to be a mom now so that it builds up emotional impact later on in the story it's only so that we feel something later that's the only reason i have lots of thoughts on this that i'll discuss later you know, it's the I only reason the first I knew it from the first part when they returned back to the college and she had a flicker in her face that showed emotion for her daughter. I knew something was going to go awry, awry from there. And it did. So, I mean, I get knowing a character better and getting to know a character better, but this is a little extreme from what we were presented with in the first one. And I just feel, I don't know, I felt conflicted about it. It does work. I do feel emotional at the end. And I, you know, but it's just a different character from the first book. It's not the same character for me. Yeah. I have I have more thoughts on this, but I'll get to it later. Also, um, you said Hunger Games and it did not make me think of the movie Hunger Games or the book. Instead, it made me think of South Park. <laughs> OK, <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? When Randy no. sings Hunger Games. OK, no. <laughs> OK. Yeah. The record company messed it all up. It was supposed to go Hunger Games. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hunger Games. All right. So that brings us to our next event in the book which I'm not even excited to talk about, but we, <laughs> if you can tell by my tone, but we returned to Baskayeth and we're there to protect it and the wards and all that. And we find lo and behold, Jack Barlow turned Venon. He killed his dragon and now he's a Venon and he's trying to tear down the, or he does tear down the wards. He destroys them. And uh, just what would, what are your thoughts on this? Say it with me. Predictable. Yeah. This is very predictable. I'm angry at the fact that he comes back and saves Violet's life. Just make him come back as a Venom. That would have been more impactful if he just showed up there and they were like, say, what? What are you doing here? And he was just like, ha ha, Venom now, bitch, taking down your wards. Let me kill my dragon. You know what I mean? First of all, I felt bad for the dragon. Second yeah. of all, unnecessary, it just seems. This whole him entirely just seemed unnecessary. It could have been any Venom there. I don't know. It had no impact on the story for me. Jack being there was just, I feel like it was, like I said, in the in the first, when we discussed the first part, I feel like he was just thrown in there for shock value and not really getting yeah. anything important to me for the story. But, but bottom line is he is there. He kills his own dragon and then says, ha ha, you know, I'm not going to die because I'm Venom now and I get the energy from the earth, bitch. You know, like. I have so many uh, issues with this. I have uh, so many. 
Okay. So now, you know, this happens and then, you know, basically they have to rebuild the war and, and that's what the whole end of the book is revolved around. Yeah. What's your issues? What's your issues, Dad? All right. So <laughs> has he been venting this whole time? First of all, what was the point of bringing him back and acting like he was good and having him save Violet just to turn right? venom? I assumed he was going to come back in this book as a venom. Why did we have to pretend he was good first? That would have been whole that would have been more interesting. Out. That would it would have yes, been more interesting like, if she just stuck with that instead of bringing that to be a shock. Like, oh, he's still alive, and then bringing it as another sh- quote unquote shock that he's yeah. actually venom and he's going to destroy everything. Like he's that like, intelligent, like, first oh, of all. Look- he, he he's back shock oh he's good he saved violet shock he's bad he's venom shock i can't like, i can't I handle just... this jack barlow's <laughs> not smart enough to do any of this was he trained by the venom are venom dead and then they're resurrected because i still don't understand how he's even alive i still don't have answers well, to that that i that will never not be annoying to me What's and the guy's name the healer nolan okay so nolan brought him back revived him obviously nolan's a piece of shit uh but i believe that, that since nolan worked so closely with varish that that's he's bringing him back as I, I think that but is I, obviously clear that's what we're that supposed to happen. assume right is that he's been spending this whole time it would have been more fun as a reader to read all of a sudden if you're bringing jack back at all i say don't bring him back but let's just say we are we're going with that still to to go down to the wardstone and all of a sudden boom there he is with red eyes i'd be like holy shit where did he come from right and then he kills his dragon or something, or he did that yeah. already, or whatever shock value you want to add there, fine. Because I would still be like, I can't believe he's there. Instead of being like, oh, he's back and he's good. But this is so inconsistent because was he venom this whole time? Are we supposed to believe that? Because what does I that guess. mean? Does that mean he was just acting to be a regular person? Why weren't his eyes red? Why was he actively saving people? Why wasn't, I don't understand how the venom work. How the fuck do they work? I need yeah. answers. We don't get any answers. Are they dead? Are they not dead? Are they something in between? That's what I'm assuming. Well, but you know what? Are, are the they? Ends, are I they just? We're gonna. I have more. In the next book. I have more issues about this at with the end of the book too because I don't understand how the venom work. They're supposed to be evil, but they can just pretend to be regular, and you don't even know who's a venom and who's not. There's venom among us, and nobody knows. Ick. I'm so this pissed me off more than anything else in the book, I think. And there was a lot that pissed me off in this book. But I I hated everything about this. And we get no answers from Becky Yaros once again, because she doesn't care about having realistic plot lines, realistic character development. All she cares about is driving a plot forward and giving shock value as if it's a big surprise to anything. And, and as if that makes it a good reading experience. I'm angry. I'm sorry. Fine. And yes. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, Again, you know, I said 75% of this book could go. The entire Jack is back can go. And if you want him to come back, just bring him back at the end there. And that would have been cool. I think it would have been way better. They also insinuate that he's been working with the Venom. Like they planned this, I guess, as like implanting him. Or is he working with Varish? Is Varish a Venom? I mean, he, he says that he's fulfilling a promise. In other words, like, we'll let you live if you do this. X, Y, Z. So he says he's doing that. He doesn't get into what, because we get at the end, he's just in a cell. And I guess later we're going to know who cares. I don't care about his storyline at all. (laughs) It's stupid. It's really, 
it's so this book would have been so much better if they had fleshed this out and gave us answers instead of focusing on all the bullshit that was in this book instead. Yeah, I'm sorry for this rant, guys, but it's bizarre, you know, and uh, as a reader, I have to be honest. And we're, we're both being honest here that it just it could have been worked better into the story if that's what you want to do. If you want to bring him back, it could have been worked in way better than this. But then again, so could the whole story. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. All right, let's go to the fact that the Wardstone is broken. Brennan was against them going flying out to Biscayeth, and then boom, boom, he shows up. How convenient, because if he didn't, how would we fix the Wardstone, right? Mm. But okay, he was against it, and he shows up. Flyers he's flying with, they ride uh, slower. The flyers come with. This I had an issue with, because at first they weren't going to come, because Biscayeth has wards, and they don't have powers within the wards. But magically they show up because now, boom, the wards are down and they have powers. Convenient. A lot of convenience. Mm-hmm. But enough of that rant. <laughs> Brendan yeah. does show up with the flyers to Biscaya after they had thought they weren't going to show as reinforcements. And then he is able to mend the ward stone while they're battling to try and get it back into one piece after Jack broke it. What are your thoughts? I didn't really have an issue with Brennan showing up with the flyers. Was it convenient that the wards were down? Yeah, but I didn't really have an issue with it. I was annoyed when Brennan had decided not to come with them initially. So it was nice to see him choosing to side with his sisters after all. And I liked that the flyers came with him because I I think honestly, the only reason they didn't go was partially because they were bitter that they had never been shown any type of courtesy or protection by Navarre. And partly because they knew that they just don't have much manpower in this fight. And it was nice to see them show up just because they wanted to help. So once again, seeing them come together, I mean, it was just okay. I didn't like it or hate it. It was just like, all right, this happened, you know? Mm-hmm. I liked the mending of the Wardstone. I'll leave, I mean, we do find out Jasenia discovers that in order to raise the wards, it's not that there are six types of dragons, there's actually seven. So we learned that Andarna is one of the, the seventh, which we'll get into. All right, so the flyers I get, I just feel like uh, Brennan, it was out of character for him because I feel like he should have went with his sisters to begin with. They've been, yeah, you know, side by side the whole time. And then all of a sudden now he's like, nope, not coming when he has the chance to heal them if something goes wrong. So that was just my issue with it was the flyers could have came later and, and showed themselves and been like, no, we came anyway. But Brennan just seems out of character not being there. Yeah. From the start. So, yeah. All right. Uh, well, you mentioned Andarna, right? That there's a new breed. So let's get into that. Yeah. So throughout the novel, Andarna is growing and her scales have changed from gold to what Violet initially thought was black. However, she does see different colors in her scales throughout the novel. So at one point she looks purple and green and she's not really sure. She thinks that they're just super shiny and that this is maybe an adolescent dragon thing. But Andarna ends up revealing herself to be a seventh breed of dragon that hasn't been around in at least 600, 650 years, something along those lines. And she specifically tells Violet, I waited 600 years to hatch because I was waiting for you. So I thought this was a nice reveal in the book. I really liked this. I had a suspicion that something like this was going to happen because I was like, why are her scales changing colors? Although once again, I was like, why is Violet the only one noticing this? Because Taryn didn't like, I don't know if Taryn knew. It didn't seem like he did. It was a little unclear whether she met. 
she mentions that um, I think the Empyrean was hiding, holding back this information from Taryn, which I don't get. Which, but he can't see her. You know what I mean? Like he well, can't be like that's kind of odd that your yeah. scales look and different. He, you know, he is a closed book. He doesn't open up about a lot of dragon things because it's you know hidden knowledge. So I thought maybe it was just part of her adolescence that she had that type of look. And then when this got revealed, I thought that was interesting. But yeah, I I feel like that's a plot hole. The fact that Tarn Tarn is they're holding back information from him. Why? Yeah, um, it just me- seems convenient for the plot. Like yeah, words like he doesn't know and he can't say anything because yeah. But I, once again, I just wasn't surprised. She, I know that she was gold because she was a hatchling and all this, but she was obviously special for a reason. Violet obviously bonded with two dragons for a reason. And she was obviously bonded with a hatchling or not really a hatchling, but a juvenile dragon for a reason. So I, I wasn't surprised, but I liked it a lot. And I think it's really cool. She's kind of like a chameleon dragon. So she does change colors. She can blend into the background and stuff. It's cool. And I thought it was really cool when she said that she waited to hatch specifically for Violet, first of all. That's very interesting to learn about the dragons. I like learning more about them and how they can Mm -hmm. choose when to hatch and their eggs can just lay dormant for 600 years. Also, we know that 600 years ago is when the initial wards were brought up and when the nation was separated. So I guess we can assume that maybe a descendant of Andarna's was around at that time and was maybe the last of her kind with the exception of this one egg. And Andarna's just been waiting for the next lightning wielder to be able to come about and help with the wards should it be needed again. So I really loved this reveal. Mm-hmm. I just loved everything about Andarna in this book. And this is no exception. Yeah, I agree. This whole uh, last portion, last like 40 pages or so of the book, I love. But I, this is one of my favorite scenes when she reveals this. Love the dragon world building. Like I said, wish there was more of it. I love the fact that she was, you know, waiting to hatch and we get that backstory. I just think that's so interesting and unexpected. And I loved it. Uh, I love Andarna. And like Alex said, she does blend into her surroundings. There's one scene, well, a bunch of scenes where she goes, where are you, Violet's trying to make sure she's okay during the battle which we'll talk about and she basically says hiding like you told me so you know we find out that she does blend into her surroundings like alex said and there's this awesome awesome scene that i'm going to mention right now where she is uh violet is fighting on this like cliff cat stays behind you know they're fighting this venom the venom's you know energizing into the ground and she's doing all these things and you're on the edge of your seat and then all of a sudden she thinks a boulder is coming at you know, from out behind the venom. And it turns out to be Andarna. And it's the sickest scene of the whole book, in my opinion, because you just picture her coming out of nowhere. She decapitates this (laughs) venom, takes the venom's head off. Okay. Awesome. And she's just like, did you, did you eat her? (laughs) It's just so good. All right. So that scene was amazing. She came from hiding. That was just riveting. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. More of this. Yeah. Uh, and then when this part came up with, you know, this knowledge about Jasenia realizing that there's seven breeds and there's like a, a breed we never knew about before and it happens to be Andarna. I just thought the whole thing was cool. And then throw on top of that, that she's been waiting for Violet and that's why she hatched. I want more information on that. And I love how that was thrown in there at the end because I know that they were going to get more information in the next book about it, hopefully. Mm. Uh, I mean, I would like a couple hundred pages on that instead yeah. of next. You know, like, good. Give me that. I I would read an entire history of the dragons before I read more of Zayden and Violet melodrama. I don't care if it's boring. I will read it. Agreed. And these are the things that keep us holding on Mm. (laughs) by a thread. 
Yeah. Let's thin talk one. about the battle. <laughs> Very thin. Well, I just wanted to say that I really enjoyed that scene with Andorna as well, where she came out. And I also liked Kat yeah. fighting on the battlefield. It was cool to see her using her powers. So yes. I can't yes. remember if we mentioned her powers earlier, but she's able to amplify emotions. So whatever you're feeling, she can make you feel it, you know, times 10. So if you're yes. angry, she'll make you feel like you want to murder someone. She does that to Violet, actually, at some point. But she ends up doing that to one of the venom that ends up read he goes insane because of it i thought that was really cool i really liked that that. um i just mentioned that yeah i just thought it was cool and then yeah when andorna just comes out of the background again she's like blending into the background she just comes out of nowhere and just tears this thing um just really cool it was one of the best scenes in the book for sure agreed that whole all of that yeah Uh, again andorna mvp for me yeah, Vanzarna, and I've loved her already, but just love her even more now. And I yeah. want all the information, all the deets about Vanzarna. Yeah, uh, love her. She is. She's yeah. my dragon. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> my girl. All right, but yeah, this was just one specific scene that happened during what was a pretty epic battle scene on the grounds of Baskaya, and we see them killing tons and tons of venom and wyvern it was really cool to see them really having the upper hands in this battle there were casualties including sawyer's leg um (laughs) i know i'm sorry i had to say it let me tell you that was okay it wasn't as hard to read as liam's scene in the first one Mm. but it was tough to read yeah it was it was i was glad he didn't die but i was concerned for his safety for sure the way i was for riddick earlier in the novel and it was one of the few scenes like with Riddick in the novel where I was concerned for one of the not not that he's a main character, but one of my favorite characters. I was I was certainly concerned for him, but I really liked the battle scene. What what did you think? I loved the battle scene. Finally, I came I woke up, Mm. (laughs) you know, this book was hard to read for me most of the time. And then all of a sudden, boom, boom, these things were happening one after the next. And I was awake. Yeah. But uh, I loved the battle scene. I thought it was very entertaining, very exciting to read. Loved when she, Violet, jumps off against Taran's wishes. And mm-hmm. he has always has her best intent. She jumps onto a wyvern's back. And I yeah. thought it was awesome. Then Rhiannon comes out of nowhere, yeah. jumps on the back. And she comes and saves the day. And then she throws the crossbow, I think, at her. And she's, or at Riddick, or one of them. And Riddick, I think, or whoever it is, shoots the crossbow. It was just very exciting. They're yeah. all doing this to come together because they're a team mm-hmm. and save their friends. And I loved that. Yeah, uh, I loved it. So I really loved that they went all out for trying to help Sawyer. You know, I'm sorry about his legs. RIP his legs. Um, <laughs> you know, they were good. <laughs> but <laughs> And I'm sorry that he had to endure that. She mentions... Uh, in her thoughts when we're reading that he his scream is like you know piercing her her heart yeah. and her ears and you yeah. actually feel it so you know at least i was feeling something in those scenes and i hope that he's okay mm-hmm. i loved too when she tells jesenia him and jesenia are forming you know some kind of cutesy cutesy yeah. ship uh and i like how she just drops her books and runs to the yeah. um, infirmary where he is or wherever and and to be at his side and i really appreciate that, was that. yeah it was uh, and, you know, he was cute, too. Sawyer. I knew mm. something was going to happen. This is another prediction I had that it was going to be Sawyer. Mm, because they... I was like, she built it up that he had he, all of a sudden now he's learning sign. So mm-hmm. talk to Jesenia. I knew something was coming out of that. In the first book, we really didn't get much of Sawyer. And then in the second book, out of nowhere, he's this awesome character. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I knew it was happening something. I just didn't know what. Yeah. 
I really enjoyed his little love connection with Jasenia. I thought it was adorable. I really, I really appreciated that in the book. And just like with the first part of the book, the friends stole the show for me. Watching them work together as a squad was impactful. Yes. It was a, it, it paid out. It really paid off for all the buildup that was happening throughout the book to see them in battle together. And it was really enjoyable to read. And it, yeah. I liked yeah. this because in the first one during the war games, they went somewhere else. So we never got to see them all yeah. together in motion with the Venom. And it was just it was it when it, was it finally badass. came to it was badass. Yeah, it was. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm very happy with it. Yeah. <laughs> so, finally, we're very happy. With I know uh, we're very happy with that. We're very happy with the Holy Darna thing and the Venom thing that we mentioned. But there's two big things that happen at the end of this book. Mm -hmm. So let's get into those. Okay. First being Violet's mom, mm -hmm. the Wardstone. Let's talk about that. And Sloane coming through. She has a signet and her signet happens to be uh, siphoning. And it's the same exact signet that Tarn's prior writer, the one who saved Brendan's life, had. So that's yeah. interesting. Let's talk about all of them. Yeah. So... I really liked this scene. I did have a couple of issues with it, but overall I liked it a lot. In order to raise the ward stone, or I'm sorry, to repair the ward stone and raise the wards back up over Beskayeth, they have to have the combined powers of the seven, as they know now, seven dragons. As I mentioned, Jasenia was the one who discovered that there was the seventh involved. And there's really nobody powerful enough. However, they discover that Sloane is a siphon, which means that she can kind of channel people's powers. So Scar, uh, uh, not Scarlet, Violet is planning to use her signet, her lightning to repair the Wardstone, knowing that it would likely kill her. However, General Sorengale does show up. She, you know, makes some nice little speech to Violet. It's heartwarming. Brennan's there. And she's the one who uses her signet to repair the wardstone using Sloan basically as a conduit. And it was a really good scene. I really liked the outcome. I thought it was really cool to learn about Sloan's power. And I'm curious to see how that's going to work in the future. And it was nice to see Violet's mom doing something for her children and basically putting her actions to where her words were in terms of her saying that she's always done all of this to protect her children. Now she's really put to the test and she really literally gives her life to protect her children and the rest of Navarre as, as well. The only really issue that I had with this was just General Sorengale's character. And this is just an issue that I had throughout the book that I don't believe she was consistent with the character that we saw in Fourth Wing. And while I did feel emotional about it, I felt sad and I was also very proud of General Sorengale. I liked General Sorengale's character and I liked her character in Fourth Wing. I liked that she was a badass that didn't show emotion and that she was cold towards her children. Did I think it made her a great, uh, make her a great mom? No, but I, I, there was something about her that I liked. I would have liked to have seen her maintain that up until the end where she then says, like, I've always done all of this for you versus all of a sudden being this character that's showing emotion all the time and then shows up to sacrifice herself. I think it would have been more emotional that way, in my opinion, for me. But otherwise, I thought it was a very impactful scene. I liked it a lot. It was sad. And I thought it was also very interesting how it was all done. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I have a big black hole, but I'll save that for a second. First, as far as Violet's mom going, again, 
her character was completely changed, like you said, and it was convenient for this plot. That being said, I did get emotional. Uh, I liked seeing her mom do the right thing. I liked seeing her step up for her kids and doing what she should do as a mom rather than being this cold hearted bee. But like Alex said, I did like her character in the first one. It was kind of what made her interesting. But as a mom, I get it. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm conflicted. Like as a mom, I'm like, okay, yes, yes. She's being a good mom here. But like, where were you? (laughs) I don't know. I guess she's doing the right thing. And that's her redemption. And, you know, I respect her. A lot of respect for for giving up your life for your kids. Uh, As far as, you know, she's definitely brave as shit to give up her life to make the wards go up and make sure everyone's safe. And I think she's also MVP here. Uh, As far as, you know, Melgren, I'm going to go here with Melgren and Coda. This is where my issue lies. So in the end here, uh, we have Violet after the ward goes back up talking to Coda directly. And you're not supposed to talk to other people's dragons. It's like a cardinal rule, but she does. And she talks to Coda and she says, listen, you are another black dragon. And since Terran was used on this ward stone, another dragon, I mean, um, since he was, he used his power on this ward stone, he can't use it on another ward stone. So we get the notion that a dragon can't power more than one stone. Got right. that. Okay. So she tries to get Coda to come to Aretia so he could power it because he's another black dragon. Plot hole. Because there's only one. They need of, another Andarna. Andarna. So there's only one of Andarna. Andarna we get is a the last of an extinct breed. So who actually? Why? How? Yeah. How are we? How are we going to ever build that up then? I think they actually do address this in the book. It doesn't explain why she goes to talk to Coda because it doesn't. But they do say that they have to choose to either raise the ward at Beskaith or at Aratia because the dragons can only be used to power one. And because there's only one Andarna, they have to choose. But obviously, if they didn't choose Beskaith, they would all die, probably. So they choose Beskaith over Aratia. They do mention that. Why are you looking at me like that? No, I'm thinking. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, like, right. I'm just like deep in thought here. And I'm like, but what what if they broke this ward and then rebuilt it at Aratia now that they don't need it there anymore? Would they? Well, I think they need to protect both spots because they both have the hatching grounds right. and that's what the Venom's after. And I mean, yeah. the only thing I can think of is that it's a plot hole as far as I'm concerned. But as far as Rebecca Yaros, you know, adding Rebecca Yaros, adding this in towards the end. And, you know, the knowledge now that there's another breed and I don't know, maybe it's going to be in the hatching grounds. There'll be another egg that's been waiting all this time and there will be more of her breed. But it's not left that way as far as I'm concerned where I'm expecting that now. It's just like, okay, I think, yeah, I I think what it's going to have to be is that they're going to have to find a way to either restore the venom to, I don't know, their human form. I don't really know enough about the venom to understand how that might work or to just destroy the venom. Pretty sure at one point in the book, because they do talk about how if you kill a venom that created a wyvern, those wyverns will be killed. And I believe they suggest that if you kill the sage, because he's the master and potentially the first of them, then it will kill all the other venom or something along those lines. Very much Game of Thrones. So I... I believe they say something along those lines in the book. I'm not 100%. Maybe I just made that up in my head, but I have a feeling that's where it's heading. So I think that's more the focus they're going to have because of this conflict with the Wardstones. I think you're right because of what happens at the end right now. I think that that's going to lead up because we're going to say what happened at the end in a minute. But basically he says, 
uh, what's the cure? And I think that's leading up to the cure being you got to kill the sage. And- yeah. So as the battle is completed, so while Violet was mending or technically General Sorengale was mending the ward stone and the wards got back up, Zayden was on the battlefield. He was fighting Venon. They were very powerful. And she goes and finds him when the battle's over. Turns out, gasp. Zayden turned Venon, and it's because he had to use the power from the earth because he didn't have enough power through Sigal to be able to defeat the Venon, and so he had to do it. And at the end of the book, he asks Jack, is there a cure? And Jack says no. Well, what are your thoughts on this? Because, you know, I have mine. <laughs> I mean, this is why I threw the book. <laughs> so, yes, I have thoughts. And I have feelings and emotions about this. Yeah. I don't understand why he turns Venom. I think it's stupid and out of his character. <laughs> and just so you know, I'm still mourning over this. So I'm still, you know, acting on emotion with this response. Okay. Because uh, I still don't know how I feel about it. Bottom line is he... Ugh. <sighs> I think it's thrown in there so this way we know he's going to be cured and everything's going to be right as rain again, yada, yada, yada. However, I don't like it. I don't like that he's asking Jack questions who gives a fuck about what Jack thinks or what he wants or what he does. I don't know. I just think it's so out of character for Zayden. I just don't understand why he does it. He he could feel her. He knows that she lives, right? I, don't, I just don't get it. Why would he put her in jeopardy and his dragon in jeopardy and then her dragon's in jeopardy. If he really loves her, he wouldn't have did this, I just feel like. And that's just my emotional response because I just don't see Zayden from Fourth Wing, not Iron Flame. He's a different Zayden. I don't see Zayden from Fourth Wing doing this. Mm. Okay. I don't know. I just have feelings. I, I threw my book, like I said, and I still don't know how I feel about it. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. Does anyone like this? I didn't like Do it. Like this? I, I wasn't surprised by this personally. I kind of had a feeling that this was heading in this direction. While Violet is having her nightmares, at one point the sage says, says something to her, oh, you'll come over to the dark side for love, which begs the question now, is Violet going to turn Venon to try to save Zayden? I don't know. But Twilight. I just, I just, <laughs> I, I just wasn't surprised by this. But what irked me to no end it's just how the fuck do the venom work? Once you turn venom, you're just not immediately evil. Like he's standing there having a totally civil conversation with Violet. He still loves Violet. He still wants to protect Violet. He wants to find a cure for himself. When does he turn evil? I don't get it. How does Here's it work? Issue. Why can't he just be normal now? Like, I don't get why he like what difference it makes. Here's my issue. Also, they mention briefly at the end uh, that the reason why that serum must have been concocted is so it would limit Jack's power so he wouldn't be bad. So obviously right. he's been a venom the whole time. Right. So I'm assuming I forgot about that. That weakened Zayden from this book is going to be even more weakened next book because he's going to have to drink this effing serum so that he doesn't kill everybody. And now it's like when he's going to be useless. He's going to suck. I just why are you taking this character and just bashing him over the head? Just kill him. I feel more less emotional damage. <laughs> I don't e- I don't even care that he became venom. I just need more answers about what that means. I don't because know. I don't as, understand how as he became venom. He channeled through the earth in order to defeat the venom because he didn't have enough power to defeat them through Sigal and he was alone on the battlefield. So some some like half-assed excuse that Becky Yaros mm. threw in to justify this decision. But I just don't understand how the Venom work because if he's evil Venom now, 
why is he not evil? You know what I mean? Like, how does this work? He didn't take the he didn't take the serum. If that's what we're supposed to believe that Jack was acting normally because he was taking the serum this whole time. Fucking Zayden didn't take the serum. So how does it work if he just doesn't channel like it? Like, is it just every time you channel through the earth, you get worse? But like, what if he just doesn't again? Also, does this mean like what's with the red eyes? Like, what does that actually mean? I get that we may not have all the answers. We should have some answers at this point because it doesn't make fucking sense that he can stand there and have a normal conversation and have emotion for a violet, but yet he's Venom. Who are these evil beings? I just don't get it. And also, is he still bonded with Seagal or is he not bonded with Seagal? And what does that mean for Violet and Tarn? Because once their bond is severed, usually through death, it would mean that she could potentially be weakened and then Taryn could be, you know what I mean? Like, what what does this mean for well, all of if, them? If we learned anything from Jack and his dragon, they're still bonded, even though he was Venom. But then he killed his dragon. I know. But my point is they're still bonded, him and Scale. But how? I don't know. Ask Rebecca Yarrow. If, if they're still bonded, can they wield power through the dragon in addition to from the earth? Like, what what does that mean? And don't know. I I don't know. And honestly, I know we're not going to find out until the next book. And that was her intent. This is manipulative. It's bad writing. (laughs) And I hate I hate Rebecca Yaros. And honestly, I hated most of this book. I really did. I I have such disdain. You hate her writing. You don't hate her. I have such disdain for her writing. Fine. If we want to make that distinction. But her writing comes from her brain. And I hate her brain. Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) She's a manipulative writer. So much of this book was boring, repetitive bullshit. And then she tries to bank on these last hundred or so pages to try to throw some emotional things, some shocking things, and then leave you off on a cliffhanger so that you're like, oh, I can't wait to see what happens next. But I also need answers now. You can't keep saying, oh, you'll get more in the next book. Oh, you get more in the next book. Yes, I should get more in the next book, but it should be a foundational build. I should get a little bit more in each book. I still know nothing more about the Venom now than I did at the beginning of Fourth Wing. And that's a problem. Yeah. So, all right, I'll save I'll save what I was going to say. I was just going to say something about her writing, but I'll save that for when we okay. talk about her writing in depth, even though we've done that the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will say that Mira does go missing at the end. So obviously that's, she's up to no good. She's going somewhere gunning for somebody pissed about her mom being dead. Who knows? She might just be grieving. Yeah, that could be too. So we have, you know, we, it leaves off where, where is she? She's missing. Uh, we have so many questions about the Venom. Obviously, we don't know anything about how they're made or who's making them, but we do get a clue that somebody has been making them, and that's why they've reappeared. Mm-hmm. So I assume that they're going to go more into that in depth in the next one. Honestly, I would like a whole book in the next one to just be about the dragons, all of the dragon stuff, and then all of... Uh, the venom stuff, like just give us like a background about them or something. Mm-hmm. Let's have some some information. But but that that put aside as far as this book goes. So, uh, uh, as far as Zayden goes, you know she can't. She thinks his guard is up or his his um what's it called? I can't think right now. Shield. His shields are up, and that's why she can't reach him. But I think that they're not going to be able to communicate anymore mm-hmm. because now his mind is being taken over. Yada yada. Uh. And, you know, it was odd to me, too, because I had a feeling something was wrong because Taryn was like, he lives mm-hmm. and he does live, but he's not himself anymore. Mm-hmm. So obviously that means Ben and are aren't dead. They are alive. It, I don't know. It, it, it gives me like it gives me uh, orc vibes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't I know. You, I don't know. But also, 
if his bonds with Violet, which we still don't understand how that works either. I was hoping to get more information about that in this book. We got no more information in this book. But if his bond with Violet is broken, is it broken with Seagal? Why is it broken with Violet? It doesn't make sense. And this... This shouldn't have been a cliffhanger like this. We should have gotten a little bit of information. We should have had Violet researching the fucking venting throughout this book. Somebody who's so intelligent wants to understand your enemy. They got rid of all that information so she didn't have any details on it. She could have she could have been working towards a solution for that. You know what I mean? It would have been more interesting to read about that than what we actually read about in this book. Let's just skip. I don't even care if she got to a dead end on it. Talking about it anyway. Honestly, Rebecca Yaros. This is how I feel in a quick sentence. I feel like this book was a first draft. Mm. I feel like nobody edited it. Mm. I feel like nobody was like, hey, these 300 freaking pages can just be thrown out. I feel like that that didn't happen. So I feel like I have an issue with whoever the F the editor is. I have an issue with her writing because I feel like she took something, a couple of great ideas and a couple of great scenes, put them in the book randomly and then just filled it with a bunch of shit. Yeah. Bullshit. Yeah. And that's exactly how I feel. And I'm sorry, it was more than one sentence. That's okay. (laughs) I forgive you. I don't forgive Rebecca Yaros. I agree with you though. She banks on these super exciting scenes that she thinks can hold or carry an entire novel. And she saves them mostly for the end. There were some dispersed throughout the novel. However, I did talk in our last episode about my issues with the pacing of this novel. It didn't make sense. There would be an exciting scene followed by a hundred pages of boring fluff bullshit and melodrama. There's just so much that didn't need to be in this novel. And there's so much that needed to be in this novel that wasn't. And that includes her world building. We still don't really understand how this world is constructed. We got a little bit more about where the villages and outposts and all that are, but we still don't really understand the structure of this world. Every single person that lives in Navarre ends up going to Beskaith War College and they either become a healer, a rider, infantry, or a mender. There's no other things that they do in this world. Is that it? Are there other places where people train for other things? This whole situation with the Venon makes zero sense. I don't even think Rebecca, honestly, I really don't think Rebecca Yaros even understands what the Venon are. I think she's just making it up as she goes. And she's just trying to bank on some random bullshit that will tie people in like a cliffhanger with Zayden turning Venon. But once again, as I felt with Fourth Wing, I think her writing is very derivative. There was Hardly anything in this book that felt really original to me. Everything, just like with Fourth Wing, felt like something I had read before. Is it one specific thing? No, it's a hodgepodge of a bunch of different things I've read. And I already talked in our last episode that I think she does this intentionally because she doesn't write fantasy and wants to bank on the fact that it's popular right now and can get a ton of money from these books. Yes. And her marketing is really pumped up for that reason. If this book could stand on its own without all the hype around it, she wouldn't need to hype it up so much. It would just, the work would speak for itself and it 100% does not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, this book, this book in the series, not the first book as much because, well, no, I don't know. This book, it just feels like a romance. I don't know what I was trying to say. A rom- It feels like a romance writer trying to write a fantasy. Yeah. And a bad one know, at I that. Know, I know uh, that's the literal reason but yeah. it feels that way you know what i mean yeah <laughs> there's too much and I, we don't mind 
the romance aspect. Don't get no. me wrong. Love friggin' the movie Speed, for example. We mentioned it all the time, okay? The movie Speed has romance. It has action. But there's not filler fluff garbage, even when there's plot holes. And even when the friggin' dialogue is corny sometimes. I okay? love romance books. Substance. I, I love romanticies, too. You know what I mean? I, I've talked about my love for the Akatar series. I would consider those romanticies. There's a large romantic component to those books, but there's also a lot of good plot in those books. Mm-hmm. These feel we amateur. We didn't read her romance novels, so I don't know if anyone else did and wants to comment and send us some information or whatever, but I have a feeling that her romance novels are similar. I agree. I she I do not like her writing plain and simple. And I don't know if it's because I haven't read one of her regular romance novels. Maybe they are better. However, the way that she's handled these two books, I would never read one of her romance novels. I have no interest. I just have no interest. I'm on the fence on if I even want to continue the series, if I'm being frank. I definitely will because I do love the characters. I want to see where they go. Not necessarily that I'll love where they go. <laughs> I I only finished this book because we're reviewing it on the podcast. If we were not reviewing this on the podcast, I would not have finished this book. Yeah, it took me too long to read this. You know that. I would have yeah. DNF'd it also, I think. Maybe not, because I do like I do like the characters. That's where my conflict comes in. I don't like her writing at all. But she doesn't even what stay true to her characters. You know what I mean? There's so many inconsistencies. She just writes her characters to fit a plot. She doesn't think about how this character would actually behave in the situation or what's realistic for this character in this world. Same thing with the plot things, the plot devices that she throws into this book. She's yeah. just like, oh, this would be cool. A dagger that just opens the door because of a rune. It doesn't make it doesn't make sense. She doesn't explain it. Jack yeah. Barlow was killed what? under a goddamn mountain, but somehow he came back alive and Venon, but he can act normal. Zayden can act normal as Venon, but they're evil. I it doesn't make sense. None of it actually makes sense. I agree with you, but I feel like if you've read the movie, uh, the movie, if you read the book Frankenstein, you know, you hate the creator sometimes and not the creations. <laughs> I just feel bad I, for them. I feel like they're just trying to fight for survival in something where she's just trying to like literally give them a killing in- environment. That's fine. Um, I, I understand what you mean. They're for air. And I, I, I feel for them just like I felt. For, and I'm alone here, probably. I don't know if anybody's read Frankenstein. I was the only person that was like, I feel bad for this monster because he wasn't even loved. He was abandoned. That's why he's being like this. He That's also didn't me. ask to be created. No, he did not. <laughs> That's how I feel about these characters. I get what you're saying about the characters. And I will say, I I did like these characters for the most part. I didn't like how they were handled by Yaros. And I get that she created these characters. However, once again, I do think that she stole characteristics from other novels. I don't think that these are wholly original characters. And I think that the more I read of this series, the less I'm going to like these characters because I don't trust her to handle them with care. I just don't trust her as an author. I just don't know. I really don't. I don't know either. I don't know how I feel still. That's why I was afraid to come on here when I wasn't ready. <laughs> I'm mourning. I'm mourning. Anyway. Well, what did you think of the title? <laughs> it makes sense because, uh, you know, the friggin' book said Iron Flame. <laughs> They needed an iron effing flame for the wardstone. It makes sense. That was the little tra- the literal translation. And it annoyed me when she was like, iron rain. I was like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> the title says that. I know. 
I felt the same way. I was like, I know there's no way for her to know this and it's not her fault, but this is so annoying to read. By the way, it's obviously was, a mistranslation. I was just screaming that. And you know how when my voice goes higher when I scream? Yeah. I hope you could actually hear it when it comes out. Could you hear me? Yeah, I think I heard you. All right, good. Because sometimes you'll, I'm like, oh, yeah. Go to edit. All right. You cut out. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I, it literally makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. It's like fourth wing, you know, they're very direct. It's not a poetic title or anything like that. It's just, this is Iron Flame. They were the iron yeah. section, you know. You know, those surveys that you have to take where it's like, uh, they ask you questions and they're like, were you satisfied or dissatisfied or you don't have any feeling about satisfaction? <laughs> That's how I feel about the title. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, eh, it's just there. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think of the cover art? The cover art was nice. I mean, it was pretty. I liked it. It's the same cover art. It's the same. Yeah, it's pretty much the same. It's a different color. Here's (laughs) here's my issue. It literally says the same regurgitated quote Mm -hmm. on top as the first book. Yeah. A fantasy series you've never read before. But I did. I did Mm -hmm. read it, though, because I read it the first time in Fourth Wing. Yeah. I don't know. I just had issue with that. And... I love that Andarn is in the middle and she was gold in the middle and she was bigger this time, but she wasn't really gold anymore, but yeah. it's fine. It's just fine. Like, you know, like you said, it's red in some parts. So it's, going I like, I did like that. I like that. It's consistent with the look of the first book. That's, I mean, I don't really care that much about how it looks. So, I mean, I, I will say this. I thought, I came on board late with fourth wing. So I didn't get the edition that has the little white, dragons mm-hmm. on the edges sprayed yeah and i think that they were a little lazy with it this time just doing yeah because they needed to push it out in Faster. six months and if they actually said that because people asked about that they said will this one have the dragons on the side like the first one did and they said no because that would hold up production time which their production yeah. was shit anyway right and I think that there's going to be some kind of special edition that comes out to of course repurchase that will have them of course I will and not be purchasing it limited, this time. It'll be limited, like only 15,000 copies by now. And then I'll I'll pre-order it because I'm, I'm a sucker and I'll pre-order it on, despite these feelings, on Amazon and then it'll never come like the other one. <laughs> well, I will not be fooled by Rebecca Yaros and her marketing ever again. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, <laughs> sum this up. Oh, jeez. <laughs> what song makes you what song sums up uh the second part i guess or the whole series whatever you want to do the whole book and it's the same song as part one and it's somebody kill me please by adam sandler in the wedding singer because that's how i felt i have two one of them is do you really want to hurt me also from the wedding singer by the way isn't that in that (laughs) do you really want to make me cry <laughs> um, that's one and uh the other one would be uh <laughs> which i might have used last time which it? one the one from beyonce where she's like ring oh. your mom and nothing happens if i see another chick on your arm you know i love that song me too it gets me so angry i fight with doug for no reason <laughs> so an angry song like that yeah that's that's what i was thinking yeah so uh what about a cocktail oh no no i'm sorry i lied what about a nail color a nail color so i think a black that has iridescent in it that changes colors when you move your nails 
you know, like in Dorna Scales. Holographic. There you That's go. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say like a holographic purpley black. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about a cocktail? Okay. A straight double shot of bourbon to numb my pain. Okay. I feel like all the sweetness got sucked out of this book. <laughs> so I'm going to say Bailey's. Oh, okay. <laughs> nice. Okay. Dessert cocktail for this. Yeah. Would also maybe Bailey's would also be delicious. Is that what you had in yours? In the eggnog? In my eggnog? Yeah. Yum. Also, rum chata in eggnog is also very good. Rum chata is good, too. Yeah. Oof. I love eggnog. Spikes me later. <laughs> All right. An item of clothing. And don't say a handkerchief to kill yourself with. I wasn't going to. How do you kill yourself with a handkerchief? It's been done. Has it? Yes, multiple times. I don't know. I'm going to say some nice boots. Like some nice riding boots. Why? Because these boots are made for walking? Yeah. And that's just what they'll do. Yes. Uh, an item of clothing. Oh, I want to say a handkerchief. Uh, I'm going to say, I think I said a writer's jacket in the last one, didn't I? I think I did. Oh, maybe you did. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess I'm going to say a nightgown because I mentioned it before. <laughs> okay. Also, because this book half the time put me to sleep. Yeah. 75%. Mm-hmm. What about a meal? Mm, maybe some like rare liver with <laughs> onions. Oh. Something that would just be absolutely terrible. <laughs> like tripe? <laughs> tripe? Yeah. With some tripe on the side. Some mushrooms. <laughs> Ugh. I know. Right? Oh, yeah. Mushrooms. Hmm. We're so bitter. I know. <laughs> I do. I sound really bitter. <laughs> I'm going to say <laughs> this is so dramatic. Like fruit that's not ripe. You know? <laughs> like okay. Unripened fruit. Like Rotten you made fruit. that mistake and you opened that banana too soon. Oh, you know okay. I mean? Yeah. And you're just like, Ugh. or that like avocado that's just oh, not ready. That's the worst. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. That okay. that makes sense. Yeah. It's not ready. It needed to be edited more. That's all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the first draft. Yeah. Animal? Uh I don't know. Some type of rabid dog, maybe. <laughs> You're like rabies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There was talk about hatching, so it's going to have to be a bird for me. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say a dodo bird because dodo birds are extinct and so is Andarna's breed, apparently. Oh, okay. That's cool. Uh, fan casting. Anybody that you thought of when you were reading the second part? No. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I, <them> all. <laughs> I really, I really didn't. I really, I really didn't. I'm sorry. I tried to imagine Riddick, but I can't think of a specific actor that I can think of. You know who he did remind me of, though? The character Julian in Caraval. I don't know why. I just imagined that they look similar. I don't know why I thought that. It's just how I felt. So I'll just say whoever would play him is who would also play Riddick for me. (laughs) I don't know. I, I, I would have to. First of all, I will admit that at one point when Melgrim was talking, I was thinking of Jafar guy again. Yeah. <laughs> you really? Too? No. Oh, no. <laughs> I was thinking of him again. I was like, no, no, like it can't be. It's not him. Uh, <laughs> you just love that guy. <laughs> I do. I do. I do like For him. some reason, you want him to be a villain. I guess because he played Jafar. Yeah. It makes yeah. sense. All right. Uh, he's also really, really sweet on the eyes. Yes, anyway. <laughs> 
Uh, I didn't picture anybody that I can even think of, honestly, at this point. Maybe for Rihanna, I did, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, you never seen the show Foundation, but in the mm-hmm. show Foundation, there's the girl, the main girl that plays um, in in it that I thought of as Rihanna. And I think she would play the role awesomely. Hmm. Just okay. Just her the whole time. Uh, I'll send you her so you could see her. But if anybody wants to look it up in Foundation, um, there's a girl that's on one of the planets and she has uh, like some kind of special power and she reminds me of her a lot. Mm. The girl plays her. Nice. So how would you define this whole book, I guess, as a signet? So I would want a signet that would allow me to go into the dreamless sleep like Andarna and just finish out this whole book and probably the rest of the series. Okay. Bitter pants. Sorry. Very bitter pants. A signet for the whole book. I don't know, man. <laughs> I really am at a loss here because I still don't know how I feel about the ends. Mm. But I guess uh, a, a rewind button so I can just make things not happen that did. Yeah. That's all. All right. We've been too angry for too long. Let's talk about yeah. if we're going to scoop or skip because I think we already know. All right. Well, I say skip this. I don't think it's a worthwhile read. In my opinion, I would give this between two and two and a half golden scoops. I'm a little torn for me. Honestly, it's probably a two. I think I was trying to be nice by giving it a 2.5. I thought the world building was bad. I thought the character development was regressive and bad. I thought the writing was bad. The pacing was bad. And I still think that she's a very derivative author. I don't find this series very original. While some scenes are well done and exciting, I don't think it's fair to rate an entire book based on those few scenes that weren't even paced correctly throughout the book. I just, I didn't like this book. If I could have DNF it, I would have. It's only not a one because I did enjoy some of those scenes that I did end up liking at the end of the book. So I bumped it up to a two. However, I don't know if I'll continue reading the series. I mean, you know all of our feelings. We've been saying them the whole time. I am with Alex here. I'm actually going to rate this a 2.5 because I told you I liked 25% of it. Mm. 2.5 sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do. I did love 25%. Maybe that's way higher than it really is. I don't know. But there were things I did love. I still love the characters and I'm attached to them. I will still read on just because I'm that person that just wants to know what happens and I still do care about the characters. But if she continues this character regression, like you mentioned in the next one, she might lose me altogether because she almost lost me in this one. Mm -hmm. I am in a book slump now because I didn't even want to finish this book and I forced (laughs) myself to do it. I I was in pain reading this because I loved the first book. I gave it five stars the first book and I was just so disappointed. And I know that happens sometimes when there's a lot of hype surrounding things. It doesn't, you know, live live Mm. up to the hype. But that wasn't what we got here. We got a half-ass pushed out, a lot of pages that needed to be taken out. I want to punch the editor in the face. Uh, I will find out the editor's name and tell you guys because that person Mm. needs to be called out. (laughs) <laughs> and <laughs> non-violently non-violently of course we don't advocate real violence it's a fictional we're, we're, we love fictional characters and stuff yes. we don't advocate real violence here um but fictionally we're gonna punch that editor in the face without, we're gonna punch you in the face with our words and our without, emotions yes that's correct uh <laughs> this gets a two and a half for me i would say if you're on the fence about reading it, 
but you really loved the first one, you do need to read it for yourself. Some people loved it. So some people are not on board with our feelings. You know, you got to do you and do what's best for you. And if you want to read it, you read it. I wouldn't want to read this book ever again. That's why I can't give it higher of a rating. I never want to read this book again, but I will continue the series. If I had to do it over again, I would skip this because it's like, you know, that really bad sequel Mm -hmm. that ruins the original for you. Yeah. And that's how I feel. This did ruin Fourth Wing for me a little bit. And I didn't give that a super high rating. I think I gave that a 3.5, but I did ultimately enjoy that book and I did reread it. And I actually was just thinking about this before. I don't even know if I can reread Fourth Wing again, knowing that this is where it ends up because part of the fun of reading a fantasy series is the journey to the end, you know, going through all this, these books and going through this journey with the characters and just knowing that this second book is a book I would never want to read again. How do you not read the second book in a series? You know what I mean? I reread series a lot. I love doing that. I'm one of those people. And I can't imagine just skipping an entire book in a series. I don't know. I haven't felt this disappointed. And I think you're going to agree with me. I haven't felt this disappointed about a fantasy series since Game of Thrones. And Game of Thrones, mm. it, it wasn't even George R. R. Martin's fault. It was those effing writers on HBO who tried to fast track yeah. everything so they could write Star Wars. And I'm so glad that that Star Wars failed. Anyway. <laughs> okay. So they I yeah. ruined, and there was so much character regression, yeah. so much character regression that they ruined quite possibly the best show ever on TV. Yeah. Well, okay. I haven't been that disappointed. This is as disappointing for me. That's all. I slightly disagree. I was not as disappointed. I I was disappointed in how the last season was handled and how it was rushed. However, I did ultimately like the outcome in terms of where everybody ended up. So I can live with that and I can just rewrite it in my head knowing that this is... This is what I would have chosen for these characters anyway. And this is what I anticipated was going to happen. It was just the journey that got a bit of a hiccup there. This was more disappointing just because of how horrible everything about it was. I don't know. But to be fair, I did read the Game of Thrones books and they're unfinished. And I'll probably never get a finished book again in that series. So so in my mind, I can just make the ending whatever I want. This, all, that, this will likely last, be finished at some point. The and last season doesn't even count as far as I'm concerned, but that's a whole nother thing. We could talk about Game of Thrones yeah. in the episode for you guys, and yeah. we'll, get, we'll d- deep dive into that if you'd like. Yeah. Uh, as far as that goes, the last thing I'll say about that is that that entire season doesn't count for me, and I will <laughs> consider this second book, other than the 25% that I feel like it's important to the storyline and was actually good, mm. irrelevant, and doesn't count. That's mm. all. Okay. All right. Well, there you have it. There's our ratings. There's our thoughts. Let us know if you agree or disagree. We know this may be a somewhat unpopular opinion. So reach out to us and talk to us about it. I would love to talk to some people about this. And we're sorry that our last book, official, <laughs> we're yeah. going to have more conversations, but our last official book conversation is just wah. so disappointing. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. whiny. <laughs> And we were so whiny, <laughs> and I, I'm sorry about being coming, Nick Cage. Apparently, I know. Um, you know, this was me this the whole. Made the, me lose my hands. I lost my hands. <laughs> this was me the whole time. I didn't like it. I hate it. I'm so bitter. I'm done. Me. <laughs> also, South Park. You're reminding me of when they do Natalie Portman, and she's like, "Thanks." 
<laughs> you know what I'm talking about? No. <laughs> no. No. All right. Well, we'll catch you guys tomorrow for our book of the month and on Thursday. Yeah. Sorry, guys, but apparently this wasn't the tits. It was the shits. (laughs) Stay tuned for this week's potty episode airing on Thursday, November 30th. It's our last of the season. And tune in tomorrow. November 29th for November's Book of the Month episode, which will be on Tommy Orange's Pulitzer Prize winning There There. And stay tuned for December's bonus holiday book episodes, discussing our holiday hopeful reading list and featuring Tessa Bailey's Wreck the Holes and December's Book of the Month, Morgan Elizabeth's Tis the Season for Revenge, available on KU, including a giveaway that will bring details to you soon about and maybe even a highlights best moment bonus sode. And then stay tuned for our live TikTok holiday readings, recommendations, reviews, and movie watchings. And stay tuned for season two. I know you guys are excited. We're excited. It will start on January 9th. We'll be opening up our season with Sarah J. Mass's The Assassin's Blade. Definitely check us out then in the new year. Mm-hmm. Have no fear. We'll see you next year. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> If you haven't read the upcoming books but would like to, head on over to the link in our bio and get a copy for yourself so that you can participate in future discussions. You don't pay anything extra, but if you make a purchase using our link, we get a small commission. So thank you so much for supporting us. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, it would really mean a lot to us if you would leave a positive review on Spotify, Apple, or whichever streaming service you use. We would really appreciate it also if you could spread the word by telling friends and family about our podcast. And of course, we want to say thank you to all of our listeners. We really appreciate each and every one of you. We also want to remind everyone to be on the lookout for our live events on TikTok. Yep, we'll be doing some live events soon and we will post upcoming dates on our socials. If you're just tuning in, this is what you can expect from our podcast. We're going to be releasing new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. So be sure to check out our socials for updates and also some bonus content. You can find us on Instagram, TikTok, and other platforms. Click on the link in our bio for access to all of our socials, our website, and other links. We encourage you to reach out to us with thoughts, ideas, questions, and feedback. You can email us at bookswithcooks at gmail.com. You can also find our full book reviews on Goodreads. These links will also be available at the link in bio. If no one told you today, you're important and valued. You belong here. You're doing great. And we believe in you. Now let's turn the page and put a fork in it. Because we're done with this one. Thanks for listening to my mommy and Aunt Alec. Bye.